Welcome to the Cinema Swamp. Okay. Let's party. In episode 63, we discuss our favorite movies of 2019 while also mentioning some honorable mentions, the worst movie we saw, and the one we didn't get a chance to see in theaters. 2019 was a great year in movies, so we hope you enjoy this episode. Oh, welcome to the podcast, everybody. This is The Cinema Swamp, episode 63, and uh, let's just get rolling. Because, I, what's the topic today? 2019 films. We're talking about 2019 movies today. Okay. Uh, because we finally got through Star Wars. So it's the beginning of a new year, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, Happy New Year, guys. 2020. Yeah. Happy Chinese New Year. Good yeah. work. Well, I'm really excited for this. 2019 was a good movie year. 2020 yeah. was, is off to a horrible start. Yeah, 2020, yeah, 2020 blows. <laughs> <laughs> we lie. Like, we like 2019. No, you well, thought 2019 hey, was Hey, maybe we're getting all yeah. the bad shit out of the way. Like right away in January, and then it's just all gonna be smooth sailing. Mm. Maybe all we needed was a minor play. <laughs> if only we all had <laughs> your optimism, Zach. Mm, I don't know. You know? Hey, well, you 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 thought twenty nineteen was a good year in movies? For me, it was. I, a lot of these movies are, great. you know, uh, well, could be in my top. A couple of them made it onto my top one hundred of all time. Oh, um, really? Mm-hmm. Well, we'll have to oh, dig yeah. into that. I'll have to revise my top I, uh, 100. I actually, de- I actually deleted my top 100 list because it was getting too out of hand yeah. to keep keep up with. Were you, were you not it? keeping it at 100? Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Once a year, I redo mine. So. Mine's so. still at 50 right now. So. I'm just going to have to redo my mm-hmm. whole thing if I ever want to do it again. That's good. I, I had a decade list for every decade since the 60s, and I think I, I made all those lists two years ago, but I've seen like a couple hundred movies in two years that have definitely been added to all those so I had to redo them in the past couple months in preparation for future episodes hmm. so I think 2019 had a good m- amount of really 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 good movies better than a lot of the last couple of years but it seemed like it had a bunch of really average movies too yeah. mm-hmm. like more so like it seemed like 2018 and 2017 were so split mm-hmm. on Bad movies and good movies. There wasn't like a, there wasn't too many in the middle. But this year, I felt like that's all that that majority of the movies I saw. I felt like they fell in the middle, but there was still more of the best movies than mm-hmm. the last couple of years. There, like there wasn't as many. Like there were bad movies, but there weren't like it wasn't like a stand. Like all all the bad movies that were at theaters were like they're still entertaining. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I felt like I could have confidently made a top 20 list instead of just doing 10 because I thought there was at least that many good movies that I feel I'll remember past walking out of the theater. And because I, I did a top 20 in like 2017, it feels like a lot of the ones that hit that list, mm-hmm. the bottom 10 aren't nearly as memorable as i originally thought like i was like maybe i shouldn't have done the top 20 maybe i should have kept it more uh personal kept it more at just 10 and maybe that's why i've kept away from doing more than 10 but this year i'm like oh i don't know it might have this might be a good year to do it but Mm -hmm. i held back it was a hard list to make it was really hard for me to make mine what considering your 2018 list 
what is one revision you would make to it? I know we all kind of looked at our old lists. What's like a movie that maybe you saw after 2018 that would have been added or even when you saw in 2018 that was maybe an honorable mention and the more you thought about it, you're like, no, nah, that deserves to be my top ten. There's not a lot of changes after looking at the list again. I actually, in 2018, I rank every single movie I can as best I can. Mm-hmm. I don't try to make the list public because mm-hmm. it's so it can change daily. Yeah, but I feel like maybe my number one would change mm-hmm. because I originally had Eighth Grade as my mm-hmm. number one movie. But I've rewatched Mission Impossible Fallout many times mm-hmm. at home now. Mm-hmm. And it's gone from being just like, oh, I thought it was a really good Mission Impossible movie, really good action movie, too. It's your favorite. Well, now it's like my favorite. And mm-hmm. now I'm like, oh, I, I even I put it in my top 100 of the decade. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I think I need to put it in there. I think that probably should be number one. Because eighth grade, I loved it. And I still think it's really, really good, but I haven't felt that need to rewatch it the same way I do Fallout. You just yeah. want to keep watching Henry Cavill cock his, cock his muscles like And then have a pocket show up out of nowhere. <laughs> that would probably be my number one of 2018 now. Okay. Uh, so that was, But that was still in your top ten list. Though. It was still on the top ten. Yeah. It was number three on that's the good. list. But I would, I would hop it up to number one and just boot everything else. Yeah, that's reasonable. Uh, looking back at my list, there's a lot that I would change, mm-hmm. uh, but for some reason I don't know why uh, Spider-Man Into the Into the Spider Verse wasn't even on the list, which is weird because I had such a good time in theater. So that would probably be in there. Um, probably my top three. Don't know where I'd put it exactly. Mm-hmm. But it's it's definitely one of my favorites. I've probably watched it three times since. Mm. I haven't seen it again since the theater. Oh, I, um, I, I haven't get the Blu-ray right away. Well, I've been meaning to watch that cut of the movie where it's like the extended cut mm-hmm. and it's not finished animation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'm, I, I would love to get I that a watch. I haven't mm-hmm. watched that either. Chloe, um, Hereditary would be my number one. Sure, I don't remember. Sure. I don't have my whole list, but I knew that when I saw Hereditary, it would probably be probably be my favorite and now it's 100 percent my favorite of 2018 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i still haven't seen that or the witch i haven't seen the witch either which is good i'd be willing to watch it again after seeing a lot more Sick. terrifying movies you say that but then you're like no 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 i don't think i can do it <laughs> no i can do it <laughs> well when we first started this whole podcast like i was way more of a wuss still and not really jumped into real horrifying stuff and after watching hereditary and midsummer, midsummer and yeah. Um, a couple of the movies that maybe aren't designed to be horror, but they are just so just skull splitting. Uh, I'd be willing to go back and watch The Witch. I don't think it was as scary. Watch but Mandy again. How was it watching Hereditary and then Midsummer so soon after? Then I did that on purpose because, mm-hmm. like, I knew I wanted to go see Midsummer. I was so hyped for it, and I was like, okay, I kind of want to get a feel for the director. So I watched Hereditary on purpose. Mm-hmm. And that just made me so much more excited. Yeah. Cool. It was great. Hereditary is also the one I would add to the list. I didn't see that until after. I don't know. It wouldn't be a number one, but it would be a top five of last year. So, good movie. Uh, Hereditary was already on my list, so I didn't make a mistake. Good work, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have the streaming services for it yet. Now I have a so is that, is surplus that your, of it. Is that your change, Hereditary? Adding it to the list, yeah. Bro, Which I would have s- bumped out... Uh, Probably Predator or something. <laughs> I saw that movie alone 
That's terrifying. Yeah, it was it was it was freaky, like but an empty I bet. well, not an empty theater, thank God. I don't know. It it was still creepy though. Yeah. It that is a movie that actually terrified me mm-hmm. um, in the right way. I feel like Midsummer was more in the wrong way, where oh, I yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be terrified in that way. But Hereditary was too. Oh, yeah. If you if you Zach see is movie, reenacting Midsummer in real time, the, the famous scene with the ladies and the gentleman in mm-hmm. that movie. Um, he was reenacting was no that. Yeah. We'll get to Midsummer. I'm sure. I'm sure oh, it's on yeah, my list. So. That's, yeah. Um, we'll discuss it. <laughs> let's do biggest ball of crap. Biggest ball just of the crap. worst movie you saw. That's not military. different from the most disappointing. So this is just a movie you saw. Not knowing what you're getting yourself into, and you're like, hmm, that just was horrible, and definitely the worst movie I saw this year. Mm. Chloe started off already. Pet Cemetery sucked. <laughs> okay. It was so bad. Mm-hmm. We were going to do an episode on Pet Cemetery. I'm glad we didn't. Yeah, we were also going to also do Hellboy. Hellboy? Well, we were, we were thinking about doing Hellboy <laughs> just because we wanted to know. We do a lot of comic book movies, and we wanted yeah. to know if it would be worth it. And we felt like it wasn't. Didn't we I would get doing something with them, though? No, well, we've no. talked about them in other lists, but like, like I think we didn't do a horror episode, like, did we? No. I, I thought we yeah. did like whatever we did immediately after we brought it up, and yeah. we did the worst uh, superhero yeah, movies. Yeah, that's list. what it was, anyway. and yeah. that that's we brought up Hellboy, uh, the new one. Mm-hmm. But I think it'd be fun to talk about the originals eventually, the first two, the Guillermo oh, yeah, del Toro suppose, films, yeah. and then compare it to Hellboy. I'd rather yeah. do like just a Guillermo del Toro episode, yeah. Yeah. where so we just do. That's true. I like a lot of his movies. So, but. We were going to do uh, Pet Cemetery and compare it to the original, but no one mm-hmm. got to the original in time. Yeah, I and never did. then after seeing the new one, we we're like, eh, I, yeah. We'll you've be. seen the okay, original. Okay, but the original, the original is too. so good. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a Stephen King. Okay, compared to the 2019 one, sure. it's great. It's a Stephen King movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, I saw it when I was younger, so I have nostalgia for it. I just, I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's a movie that my grandpa has always hyped up for me because he saw it. When he was alone one day, and mm-hmm. it scared him for the rest of his life. I've heard the original holds up. Is that, is that pre- good? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Okay. I think, didn't Stephen King also remake it again, like, for a TV movie? Probably. I'm pretty sure he did, because he did that with the Teacher's too. Pet Cemetery. Well, was the first Pet Cemetery not a TV movie? I don't think so. But there was a sequel. There was a Pet oh, Cemetery maybe it was the sequel. Oh, yeah, was... it was the sequel that was the... I keep yeah. seeing that blu Because they also remade... Um, the Shining straight to TV, yeah, 1990 mm. something. I knew that. Like, I keep seeing Pet Cemetery Two publicized yeah, Pet to me Cemetery as a Pet Cemetery Two is mm-hmm. garbage as well. Uh, you've seen Have that you one. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, well, you're probably one of the few on the planet who has seen the entire Pet Cemetery mythology. I can go next. Um, worst movie I saw was a movie called Arctic. A R T I K. Um, it was just some movie I found on uh, Amazon Prime that. Uh, it was supposed to be kind of like a serial killer. What is that movie? poster? I, I keep I, I was getting Godzilla twenty fourteen vibes. Yeah, it does kind of look like. <laughs> it's it's very not good. It's like I, I didn't see all strange nature, but I would put it like there. Like, um, it's like a. It's everyone in it is a horrible actor. It's like a serial killer. In his weird family, he's, like, teaching his son how to be a serial killer. And his son befriends some... I don't know if he's supposed to be a punk guy or just a guy who just... I don't know. It's a weird... Everything is weird about it. But at first, you're watching, you're like, oh, this is a weird stylistic choice. And then you're like, oh, no, these guys are just bad filmmakers. It's not supposed to be like this. Um, 
the one cool element of it is like uh, the hero of the story, the serial killer is like trying to torture him because he knows there's like influence with his son, and it's just it has one kind of neat and different something kind of original in subject matter, but overall the movie was total garbage. So what do you know? Half a star. My worst movie of 2019 was Benchwarmers 2. Oh, oh I have um, to see that. Direct-to-video crap. I can't believe there's not a, a Benchwarmers 2 Netflix. already. It's, it's on Netflix. I thought there would have been one a while ago, because it seems mm. like a movie that would have a, a shitty sequel. Well... Is it still Happy Madison? No. This, In fact, it's not even the same company. Universal Adam got the rights plays to it. Character. <laughs> no, the only original... The only one that comes back is John Lovitz. It doesn't even have any of the original cast. It's yes. just... The only reason I went and saw it was because I, I did truly want to see if it'd be as bad as I thought it would be. Yeah. But it wasn't like an enjoyable kind of bad. It was just really pointless. It just was mm-hmm. the studio getting the rights to a property that they were like, hey, maybe someone will be suckered into seeing this because of the name. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm that sucker. I haven't seen the first Benchwarmers in a long time, <laughs> but I have kind of a... I feel like I'll have a nostalgic attachment to it, yeah. and if I ever return to it, mm-hmm. this movie doesn't even feel like it's in the same tone as the original, Yeah, and it's just way more drab and pointless and cheap, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's pretty much what I expected, but even as a Benchwarmers fan, if you like the first one, there's just parts in it where I'm like, wow... It's embarrassing how you tried to connect the dots to the original, and you did it in a stupid way, and in almost an insulting way. Like, I think this would insult people who like the Benchwarmers, which I didn't sure. think was possible. The movie's not that popular. <laughs> we sure liked it as kids. Oh, yeah. yeah quoted it all that. the time. I loved that movie. I still quote that movie, like, yeah, consistently. I do. I do. I remember that we had a, a talent show in sixth grade. And Austin and Rob redid did the whole uh, paper newspaper scene where he's like, "Let's have like Adriel Miss Connolly go up on the roof." <laughs> he's like, "Okay, thanks." <laughs> like, yeah, no, because it's like the uh, it's like that's like saying you've never had an apple pie. You've never had apple pie. <laughs> when my mom says it'll give me diarrhea, we're gonna try it at least once. Diarrhea. And they did that whole scene. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Whenever I have like a look what I did moment, I'll I'll, uh, I'll say, uh, look, mom, I made another peanut butter sculpture. It's a pterodactyl. (laughs) Pterodactyl. (laughs) Forgot about that. Um, I didn't, I haven't seen really any movies that I hated, but the the one that I, I I don't think I'll ever go back to again is a, Lion King. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which can also fall under biggest disappointment, but it's not. Um, yeah, I suppose, because you were pretty hyped for it. I was, but... Was that... Is The Lion King or Star Wars your original, your favorite of all time? It was between those two. Star Wars. Star Wars is your favorite. Um, but it, it, it made the original, like, worse. <laughs> like, it made the... It did the same story, but dull all the way through. Mm-hmm. It looked pretty, but even that, the lions looked weird, everything... Was mm-hmm. just off and it just yeah know, everything was wrong about it so see that would be one of those movies that it wasn't surprising how bad it was it was pretty much what i expected mm-hmm. you can't make realistic animals emote 
emotions. Tell that to Bambi, because they're doing that. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Oh, man. What's the most disappointing movie you saw? Something that you were super stoked for, you were waiting for it all year, and then you saw it and you're like, wow, uh, that was unfortunate. So I feel like usually a movie that would fit in here would be a big franchise movie, but mm-hmm. there wasn't a lot of tent poles this year that disappointed me or that I wasn't expecting. Mm-hmm. Like even Terminator, I knew it wasn't going to be as bad as it kind of yeah. was or as boring and <clears throat> dull. Uh, Glass is the most disappointing movie. You thought it was going to be better than it was? Much better. Really? Just because... I suppose Split was, was so good. Split and Unbreakable are so good and they were uniquely mm-hmm. um, separate movies that found a way to become one. Yeah. And I was like, Glass is going to bring it all together. Uh, M. Night found a way to fit in his stadium guy into this right. one. <laughs> the invigorating story of the stadium guy yeah, who yeah. worked at the stadium, mm-hmm. saw uh, Bruce Willis, yeah. and then years later became a security guy at in Split, and then is that same, they are the same person. And I was like, oh, the Shyamalan universe is all was, coming together. Was, but most disappointing, I still gave it three and a half stars, but... Uh, Detective Pikachu. Hmm. Uh, the third act didn't do it for me. It was really like if it was an animated like Pokemon movie, it'd be pretty on character with those mm-hmm. on track with those movies. But I expected a little more for like a live action theatrical. Mm-hmm. I definitely wasn't excited for it, but I had hope for Glass. Mm-hmm. Um, and this just cemented my hatred for M Night Shyamalan. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Yeah. Like I had a little. This is bit the most of hope. pretentious movies ever made. Yeah. I had a little bit of hope from Split because that somehow was so good, and then Glass was just garbage. Well, him writing himself into it this badly is like. Yeah. Uh, what was your most disappointing? Um, unfortunately, Star Wars. I was really excited and hoping it would at least be as good as one of the last Star Wars movies to come out, and out of the modern sequels or spinoffs, I don't. It's just the bottom. Of all those. The one that got away. What's a movie that oh, you yeah, didn't get to that. see that you wish you would have? If you boy. could go back... Okay, Honey Boy. Like if Was you could, not meant to get it? No, no, it? you're right. If you could go back to this morning and watch one more movie before the episode, what would it be? Honey Boy. Shia mm-hmm. LaBeouf's uh, autobiography, basically. Um... Which I saw the trailer and I was seeing the scene with the kid with the curly hair and like the Hawaiian shirt getting splattered with a pie and I'm like, even Stevens? And then I see that Shia LaBeouf's in the movie and I'm like, is this about him? And I'm like, now I want to see this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was at Zinema way too quick. So yeah. whenever it hits home video. And you know, another reason I kind of passed on it then was it didn't get nominated for any awards. So I didn't feel the need to do it to compare it to the rest yet mm-hmm. uh but once it hits home video that's like the first thing i want to see uh my one that got away was parasite i never got to see mm-hmm. it and i really wanted to it, it would absolutely be on your list i think well, maybe I'm wrong. on my revisions for next year then um i have a couple one is parasite and the other is climax because you all keep telling me to see it and i haven't seen it and I still don't know what it's about. So. Watch it tomorrow. It's we'll talk more about it, but yeah, cool. It's so good. I think it puts every other one shot movie to shame. Either that or uh, Terminator. Haven't seen that. Yeah, yeah, that's the one that got away. <laughs> no, I, I haven't seen Genesis either. 
Um, that shouldn't be the one that got away. <laughs> that one is it's a good thing. Was a joke. Um, I intentionally didn't go and see it. My the movie I think that maybe would have made my list I didn't see was Uncut Gems. Oh yeah. Um, heard a lot of good stuff about it. Um, There's another one that I wanted to see. The one that I wanted to see the most, I really wanted to go see it, but just did not have time to go. Was Bombshell. That one I was really stoked for in it, left oh. theater. But I saw in Zinema, it's going to come to Zinema. It is. So I will be there for that, whatever that is. Uh, Lighthouse, I also wanted to see. Oh, yeah, Lighthouse, I wanted mm-hmm. to see that really bad, too. Um, <clears throat> first honorable mention uh, was uh, 1917. Really strong movie. Uh, kind of like the... I haven't seen like a solid World War One like movie that like just shows everything and that one did it for me really well uh the whole one shot thing was good the story was good and just in general cinematography and like mixed with the score was incredible really liked it uh next one was book smart like haven't seen original comedy that good in a while um especially with young actors and uh godzilla king of monsters it's a good Strong. I'm interested sequel. that you put that on the list or on your honorable mentions anyway. Not in my top ten. Or? No, that it's in your honorable mentions at all. Because I, I mean, we all. I think we. Well, I mean, I liked it, but mm-hmm. I guess I was expecting more. But I think I wish like that movie was directed by Gareth Edwards. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would have been something completely different. But out of the popcorn movies I saw this summer, that one was. Not disappointing at all. It could have been better, but not disappointing. I was like, I enjoyed everything in that whole movie. Everything I wanted, I got in it, you know? I forget if I liked that one or the 2014 one better. I think they were very close, but they're Mm -hmm. for different reasons. Godzilla kind of... King of the Monsters delivered more of the goods. I think my issue is that I keep asking for more out of Godzilla, but there really isn't, like, more. Yeah, it's like, really, how much can he do? <laughs> I, that's like, yeah. I, I think yeah. it is kind of a, because people, that is kind of a sickening complaint. Yeah. You know, even for me, it's like, what else can you do mm-hmm. at this point? You, you want to see monsters fight, right? I'm like, yeah. Yep. So I like how the first one was, like, more of, like, a Godzilla hiding in shots, and, like, you don't see him till the end, like you know less is more style mm-hmm. but like he's fighting like made up monsters that aren't like original baddies you know and so like you get more of the lore in king of monsters and you see all these other famous kaiju for him to fight you know you get a little bit more of like his range um my first nope. honorable mention is once upon a time in hollywood mention is Joker. <laughs> and then my third is Three from Hell that we just finished today. What's that? It's the third, <laughs> it's the third um, Rob, Rob Zombie. Zombie. Oh, really? Because yeah. the, there's House of Thousand Corpses. Uh, so he didn't make one until now? In that trilogy? No. Oh, yeah, yeah, this is the final. Rejects, this, this is the, the third. Because that's a, what Devil's Rejects was a while ago. Oh, so this is like a 12-year yeah. Old sequel. Okay. You didn't go see it in theaters when it was like charging thirteen bucks I for like a special to. screening. <laughs> uh, I had to rent this one twice because it took us so long to finish it that mm. my forty-eight hours expired and I had to rent it again. Mm. <laughs> so I mean, I spent twelve bucks on it anyways. Zach, you got some? Yeah. Uh, 
First one is Shazam. I feel like it doesn't get enough love. You're right. Uh, <laughs> it's a good movie. It, yeah, I liked it a lot. It's definitely one of the best DC movies. I mean, there's only, like, what, five of them? But, um, top five? I thought it was pretty solid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely top five DC. Um, Joker is also in my honorable mention, so two DC movies in my honorable mentions. And the third one is Us. Mm. Hmm. I haven't Worthy. seen it since the theater, so... My honorable mentions would be... It looks like Uncut Gems... Uh, with Adam Sandler. If you didn't know which uncut gems I'm talking about, uh, Dolomite is which Adam Sandler. Um, the <laughs> uh, Dolomite is my name, which is like one of the best movie making uh, movies. It's in my top ten. It's oh well, we'll get to it then. And then uh, Jojo Rabbit. Mm-hmm. Taika Waititi doesn't really fail. So, we'll, yeah, we'll get mm-hmm. to that again. Stop spoiling your top ten! <laughs> you know what? You don't get to do your top ten. You spoiled it too much. Everyone already knows. Well, since Zach is so excited. Zach, what is your tenth? Oh, okay, quick. I know I don't want to make this episode longer than it has to be. But I want to know how you made your list. So is it based more off of, like, this is how much I liked the movie? Or this is how much I think the movie is good in quality of just filmmaking, whether I liked it or not? Or is this, like rewatchability how much like you thought about it after the theater well i talked to a mix of those three what mine's like a mix of those three like yeah that's that's kind of all the factors i weigh yeah i tried to do like an algorithm in my head of like how much i like it how good it is and then how much i couldn't stop thinking about it i base my order on enjoyability there's movies in there that are for like the artistic craft of it all, but mm-hmm. it's mostly like, am I gonna want to rewatch this soon? Okay. Yes. Yeah, mine is primarily enjoyability and rewatchability. Mm-hmm. But if it's a garbage movie, but I still love it, it like yeah, it'll probably be on there. The fanatic. Just kidding. It's not <laughs> my top ten. Nineteen seventeen. That was like a big one where like it's quality enough to where like it should be a top ten movie, but I don't feel like I want to watch it again. Nothing. I could. I stopped thinking about it immediately after the theater, even though it was a great movie. I just didn't think on it. Yeah, that's one of those where I was like, I think one time I'll be good. Seen on the big screen, mm-hmm. especially, but I don't know if I'll be mm-hmm. returning to it anytime soon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Top ten movie of twenty nineteen. My number ten is Doctor Sleep. It's really good. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. We did an episode on Doctor Sleep, mm-hmm. yes. so we we've discussed it. You know, it didn't make my top ten. It didn't even hit my honorable mentions. But like, I think that says a lot about. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, it says a lot about Zach. No, it says a lot about Zach. <laughs> Terrible taste in movies because I have the superior choice. No, it's <laughs> like I think that says a lot about how good the movies were this year because yeah. that's a movie I still really want to see again. Even the director. Yeah, I would see it again. Like, he was just mentioning how he's going to have, like, a director's cut of the movie mm. on the Blu-ray. Mm. And I'm like, oh, I'm so glad they're doing that. Even though the movie didn't make, like, too much money, mm-hmm. I'm glad they're sticking to their guns there. So mm-hmm. I will definitely be watching it again. It, I, I really liked how it was, like, its own original thing, but it was also riding the coattails of The Shining. And then it really got into fan service towards the third act, but I, mm-hmm. I, I was in all of it. Even if you guys weren't as much. No, I I think if there was another category that we had, like, most surprising movie, 
like a movie where you're like, it's probably won't. Like I went into it thinking it was gonna be a pet cemetery deal. Yeah. And then being like, wow, this movie was like like I said, not my top ten, but way better than I thought it was gonna be. I did think it was gonna suck or I that the too. guy was I, gonna try yeah. too hard to be like Kubrick and yep. it yeah. was neither. Yep. It pays tribute to Kubrick, but I'm like but but people, it is not mm-hmm. trying to be a Kubrick film. It, that it, is a good thing. Yeah. It one, says it's the not one Kru- criticism Kubrick. is uh... They should have just got Jack Nicholson. They should have paid <laughs> for their likeness. They sh- I think they should have done the CG thing if they had to. Well, they could have just even taken paid, the old scenes, but paid Jack Nicholson just to be in the movie. Yeah, that's a good point. He's still alive. Just, I mean, but all old at this point. I mean, they can de age him if they yeah. want. Yeah, it'd be cool having him all old or something. That's true. Too, too. You know? probably could have found Aged a way. Dad, like if he had lived, what he would look like. And, yeah, you know, <laughs> just looks like. I'm sorry, I just, I can't not picture <laughs> Nick Cage at the side of a Lakers game. Uh, I, no, I, I'm picturing uh, anger management when he's like nodding. Yeah. <laughs> Doctor Sip was good, though. Uh, Avengers Endgame is my number 10. That's your number 10? It's my number 10. Hmm. Get out of here. Immediately no, you know, questioning your list. <laughs> just oh, just wait. <laughs> Remember how we were just ripping into Doctor Sleep? Okay, raise well, our hands. I guess hand. we have to talk about it now. Like, I, mean, I thought Endgame well, would come well, up ra- later. Ra- in the raise of hands, you know, so the audience doesn't see how many of us have Endgame on our list. Everybody. Yeah. Everybody has Endgame on their list, so <laughs> well, let's get them. into it. <laughs> we already yeah. did like a two hour podcast. Part, it was two parts, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. It was like massive. It was so long. Um, but I guess if we want to talk about it in hindsight, now that it's been months later, we can maybe mm-hmm. reevaluate it. Uh, it's still really good. Yep. It's even oh, like. Yeah better i've seen it just at home now alone without the audience without anything and i'm like it's almost better because i really like the stuff that people don't like about the first act being really slow i really mm-hmm. like because I, I do too i, I, I liked, I liked the it characters. the first time mm-hmm. i really like that we delve into them and it the movie slows down it's yep. not like every other blockbuster it actually has moments of just mm-hmm. breathing and like dealing with this situation like yeah sure we yep. know things are going to get fixed we know spider-man's coming back give me yep. a break they need to make money but my god they have us suffer through an hour though in a good way yeah the actors look like they're suffering through the movie mm-hmm. they, they look like in a good way they know what's coming or what has happened and they look like they're not even acting they look like <laughs> did you see infinity war yeah. <laughs> you know like and, and- even if you watch Infinity War before this, and then like you give it an hour, and then you watch Endgame, and like give it that time, and then like, just feel that the weight, the, weight <laughs> the of world it, on it, yeah, going into it, just oh, like, giving it. I time. think I think I'm it, getting chills just now. I'm just saying. <laughs> I think uh, it's going to start becoming my Christmas movie, but I'm going to watch Infinity War. Uh, the night of Thanksgiving, and then <laughs> yeah. Christmas, I'm going to watch Endgame. Yeah. I think I'm going to start doing that yearly. Then I remember three. What'd you say? I said, and then Iron Man 3. Oh, yeah. Dude, I, okay, I watched that way too much. I, last year I watched it three times. After yeah. Nice Guys, you got, <laughs> there, like, I have a bunch of my digital movies that I have from all the digital downloads, mm-hmm. and I look through all, like, my Marvel movies, and I'm like, which one do I really want to watch? And then I'll just, like, keep th- scrolling back and forth, and I always end up going to, like, it's either this one or Iron Man 3. Right. <laughs> Iron Man 3? This is so good. I don't know why. My- no. Actually, you just mentioned Nice Guy. You know what other movie I really want to rewatch lately? Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Really? I still haven't freaking like that. that. I just want to constantly watch his movies. Maybe not Predator. But hey, when's the last time you watched that? I watched it just a couple like months ago, first time. So it's good. It's I, I still it's really good. I still haven't seen it. 
Shane um, Black is like we the most do a Shane underrated director of all time. For I think. sure, we gotta do a Shane Black episode yeah. just so we I can mean, have another excuse to talk hot, about Iron Man. 3. It's been a hot minute since I watched mm-hmm. the other guy, or not the other guys, the nice guys. Well, that one too, the nice guys, yeah. I cried so much in Infinity War and then waiting. <laughs> like, I've never... There was more of a cultural moment leading up between Infinity War and Endgame than there was for any election ever. <laughs> like, there was more people talking about, more people showing up for something. Like, mm-hmm. maybe not Star Wars, but, like, something that's ours, you know? Yeah. It felt big. I don't think... I mean, I hope... I hope... It felt important. Something like this happens again in cinema. That my kids can experience what us four got to experience in 2018 and 19. And it's funny because you literally have Rise of Skywalker come out a couple months later, which is like the representation of, hey, this is what it could have felt like. Because no matter what, they were going to have the heroes come back, it was going to be a sizable movie, Mm -hmm. they were going to have all these set pieces, all these returning characters, Mm -hmm. and... Yeah, sure, no matter what, people are like, well, there's fan service, of course people like it. I'm like, yes, but watch this and see how they make it work. Mm-hmm. And then watch Rise of Skywalker, how it doesn't really yeah. work as well. And there's some beats in Rise of Skywalker that are literally the same as Endgame. Yet yeah, Endgame pulls it off better because mm-hmm. it's just a better movie. And there's like, I don't, I think it might have to do with the youth of the franchise, too. Because it's still kind of young, mm-hmm. well, but it's also like really also, earned its finale. Also with the the new trilogy it's just they didn't give enough time for character development yeah it would be like if they tried to do endgame at the same time they did iron man 2 like, like that's if they plan, did iron you know? man and then incredible hulk and then they're like boom like, you don't see <laughs> you know? any of the growth throughout like ray's journey or any of theirs really mm-hmm. uh like it, it goes straight from force awakens right into the last jedi there's no there's no yeah, there's character like progression really in between those movies and then mm-hmm. There's a gap in between Last Jedi and Skywalker, but like you don't see that progression really. But do you think even I have said that Endgame? I don't even think you really need the other movies to have a really enjoyable time. I think the emotion will hit you a little better, but I don't necessarily think you need to see the other movies to really have a good time. I've, I've actually watched like YouTube reviews of people who have never seen a Marvel movie, but they went and saw Endgame, mm-hmm. and. They still enjoyed it. They didn't know what was going on or who people were, but they liked it. I mean, I don't expect them to get everything, but I feel like there's enough given that you can maybe understand it. I think if you just watched, like, if you just went Avengers, Winter Soldier, Age of Ultron, Civil War, Infinity War, Endgame, you could have a pretty good saga right there. You know, like how Disney, you have, like, Disney Plus has the Darth Vader saga, where it's just the ones where Darth Vader shows up in it. Mm-hmm. Like, that would be a good saga to have, where you could go through it with, like, you know, your kids or a spouse or something, and mm-hmm. just give them enough of an emotional tie to see, not just story, but, like, to get with all the characters, you know? Mm-hmm. But still see, you know, you put in a couple movies to really get emotions going, like... Winter Soldier and Civil War in there in between the big ones well, and then that gives you everything you need for even going into Endgame it's <clears> like that's your first Marvel movie it's almost like it's a post-apocalyptic movie that you're going into because mm-hmm. like this whole mm-hmm. big calamity happened you don't know what happened but you find out throughout the movie mm-hmm. and then they go back and fix it there's a lot of easter eggs that you don't you won't get but and it's only <laughs> Chloe's number 10 yep Got anything else to say about it? It's a good movie. Well, there you go. <laughs> it's a really good movie. <laughs> the only thing made it. is 
Like, I loved it, but I don't want to watch it again for a while. Yeah, I can get that. Just because of the length, especially. Well, the length and, like, I don't know. She just hates it. I don't hate it. It's on my top ten. <laughs> my ten is uh, Under the Silver Lake by Never David David Robert Mitchell. It's with uh, Andrew Garfield. What? 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 Is that an Amazon huh? movie? Under Sil- what? Under the Silver Lake? I've never heard of it. It originally <clears throat> said 2018, but it wasn't. Uh, didn't go wide until 2019, 2019. early, yeah. early. Okay. Because I was waiting for it last year. It never came out. Never came out until recently. Well, not recently. Six months ago, maybe. And uh, I was able to watch. I think on Amazon Prime. But um, same director as It Follows. Uh, but this movie plays more like, not quite like a Tarantino movie, but like, you haven't seen it, right, Justin? No. Have you heard of it? I didn't even know it existed. Oh, this is up your alley. Um, here, I'll read off the notes. Young and disenchanted Sam meets a mysterious and beautiful woman who's swimming in his building's pool one night. When she suddenly vanishes the next morning, Sam embarks on a surreal quest across Los Angeles to decode the secret behind her disappearance leading him into the murkiest depths of mystery, scandal, and conspiracy. It's basically like <clears throat> this kid who's living uh, by Silver Lake, which is where a lot of like screenwriters and actors and like more, not like, I wouldn't say actors, more like screenwriters and like people who are coming up in like the lower L.A. movie scene live. Um, and it's him trying to find this girl that he liked. But he stumbles into, like, this really wild conspiracy where he's, like, doesn't know if he's going insane or not. And it just has a lot of, like, every scene of the movie takes a completely wild turn and um, expects you to believe this just wild things and acts like they're true. And I don't know. It's very, very worth your while. Justin, I think you like it because it's so centered around L.A. culture and the movie scene, I guess, of, like, up-and-coming people. Um, and it's very heavy, heavy with like conspiracy theory stuff. And like I said, like surrealism and there's an actor that it reminds me of and I can't think, Oh, I would say it more, it unfolds like a Shane Black movie, but without all that comedy and stuff. So, but it has the twists and turns like a Shane Black mystery, a pseudo mystery would be, um, Andrew Garfield's good. It's a really good movie. I was going to say, I haven't seen him in the movie at all lately. Um, not, not since, this like, year. Hawks uh, Ridge, it feels like. Yeah, Silence is probably the last movie maybe that I saw with him. My number ten is Jordan Peele's Us. His first, I think, 100% horror movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't... I, it's weird, because I feel like after seeing it, I was comparing it mostly to Get Out, because... That's yeah, like his last, yeah, his last thing he had done, um, but it still really stands good on its own. And mm-hmm. it's like he definitely <clears throat> just has an eye for cinema in general. Mm-hmm. I gotta give it another watch just to see how many things uh, towards the end were being alluded to from the beginning. Because Get Out was really good at that. Mm-hmm. I've seen some people point out things about it that are like secretly hidden in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think there's a... The only issue is, I guess, there's just not as much of a conversation around it. Mm-hmm. Which is too bad when, like, Lupita Nyong'o has a crazy performance in that movie. Two! 
crazy mm-hmm. performances, and she's kind of going ignored right now. Mm-hmm. I I still think the movie is really really good. It has a good look. It's creepy, but it also has a lot of that humor in it. That mm-hmm. I guess I can only describe as his kind of style of humor. Because Get Out was the same kind of humor, where it's like mm-hmm. almost uncomfortable. Like, should I be laughing at this right now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> is it meant to be funny right now? Uh, but in all the best ways. The only thing is that, yeah, there's just not as much of a conversation around it. Mm-hmm. Not the same way Get Out was. Like, Get yeah. Out was just, like, a was like a masterpiece, mm-hmm. once-in-a-lifetime kind of movie. Us is just a fun horror movie. It's like popcorn horror, but mm-hmm. good. Like, I would say, like, if Sam Raimi never directed an Evil Dead movie, I would put Jordan Peele in front of it. After seeing Us, that movie unfolds completely like a good Evil Dead movie could unfold. Like, where it embraces the campiness um but still can be absolutely horrifying and gory well it's funny because after get out i was like i really hope jordan peele doesn't do another horror movie i'd rather see him do other genres yeah, now that's true. uh but after seeing us i'm like i hope he only does horror because mm-hmm. man he just has he would own that whole popcorn horror the only other movie that's as fun and almost campy as that would be like cabin in the woods Mm-hmm. Where it's like good, solid acting, but just a wild movie. That's not, it's horrifying, but not quite horror. It's good. Well, and I think that's part of the reason there's not as much of a conversation around it. Because, like, with Get Out, there were, like, social connotations within that movie that could be talked about and applied. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Us, it's like. It's more like Twilight Zone. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's just like, like a, a totally different reality to mm-hmm. ours. Like, we. You can't. It's not a political. He also did Twilight Zone. It's also a political. <laughs> yeah, he did also exactly. Twilight Zone. Yeah. Uh, my number nine is Marriage Story. That was a really good one. Mm-hmm. Especially being of a child of divorce. Uh, seeing that kind of situation as an adult. It's two mature people splitting up. It's not exactly how like a Iron Range Minnesotan uh, divorce probably goes, but it is relatable but it's not because like they're uppity like actors <laughs> yeah doing well for themselves <laughs> in LA yeah like I don't feel bad for you but I feel they bad can for afford you. to travel yeah. between New York and LA yeah, that like much I guess gosh. if the movie did something that I guess I couldn't personally read because I haven't been through that but it doesn't really seem like they dig into the child at all like his really. reflection of it all no I mean it's, well, the movie's kinda... called Marriage Stories right. it's about well no I don't like, expect like... it but I'm asked because he's talking about well, that I, yeah you're right well, like, it like, wasn't really can, well you can, can see how your parents relate now yeah because i can see how like the kid really wants to stay with his mom now even though like his dad really loves him and i can see how i was probably like that too like oh mm-hmm. yeah but i have all these toys at my mom's house so yeah there. not knowing that you're pressuring one of your parents yeah. or both yeah. yeah and like now i can look back and see how i was kind of yep. like a little asshole like that <laughs> what i like about that movie is it just shows that it's oh man it's so much to do with the lawyers the lawyers are just yeah. the worst they are the worst whether people. they're really good or really bad yeah. <laughs> like they they're, they're at their mercy pretty gross as a lawyer like no and i like, love i love like her in a good way and she's like winning all the awards and i'm like thank mm-hmm. god but i hated her in this movie yeah. like she i'm yeah. like you are a monster yeah like an actual manipulative like you're yeah. a worse manipulation than he is yeah and i hate it and i love, Leona, I love too. that old man lawyer though. 
Alan Alda. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even, that, that was Alan Alda. Yeah, oh. and even he's just like, yeah. I am. I shouldn't be here. Like, yeah, that's to say, like, you're at the mercy of really good lawyers who are evil or really bad lawyers that are I didn't good, know that was Alan Alda. Child services lady? I don't know. When she comes to, like, interview and, like, watch the, the family night mm-hmm. and, like, where he cuts his hand. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, that, that whole sequence is so cringy and I was, like, on the edge of my couch. Yeah. And I couldn't believe what I was watching because, like, I've never related to anything more and wanted to die because I feel how awkward and how much he probably hates himself. I've never met like, someone like that lady, so I, like, I couldn't really well, yeah. like having that presence. But like, I don't, but like knowing Adam to, Driver, I felt like all this was actually happening to him yeah. as a person and not just <laughs> But like character. trying to impress someone that you know you like won't and like trying to do all this stuff and then you like... You slice your open. Like, yeah, but I do this joke with, yeah. with the box. What are you saying? I'm like, no, dude, don't, don't, dude, you're you're digging yourself a hole. Don't say it. Stop talking, Dad, Adam. Do the, do the knife trick. Adam, don't do it, Adam. Yeah, I do this thing where I pretend to cut my wrist. He slices his wrist open. And I like when he's lying on the floor oh. there, and the kid just kind of looks at him, and he thinks he's yeah. fine. He just I walks thought that away. was the end, and I thought he died. Yeah, well, I was like, he's gonna die. I was thinking in that moment, I'm like, I feel like I've done that before as a kid, like where I just kind of pass over whatever my parents are doing mm-hmm. and just think, oh, they're fine, but they probably just weren't. <laughs> like whatever situation they were in, it's especially my dad. I mean, he never cut himself too bad, but he always was playing. With always finding laying on the floor in the kitchen, <laughs> and I I would be the type that'd be like, "Oh, you're fine, like, Dad. You're in the way of the fridge." <laughs> My number nine is it, Chapter Two. I'm glad That's someone good. put it on their list because I love this movie. I had it, it on my good. list for a little bit. It was so good. Definitely wasn't as good as the first yeah, one, I still like but better. it was a good a good wrapping up to the story. It was a lot better than the TV one. They're gonna make a third one. <laughs> really? Uh, I, Zaga, I, I don't think they have any more pages in the book to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really liked it, chapter two. Um, and I don't, I don't know. I always just think of that one scene, the dinner scene in that movie. I just thought oh, that whole like scene was the good. China, the China restaurant? Yeah, where they're just talking and chilling. And I'm like, this is just so heartwarming. Like, yeah. I like this. This is the best part of the movie. Bill Hader is the best part. Oh, definitely. Yeah. He... Everyone should have been getting on that Bill Hader train a little sooner, because he's always been amazing. So I got on my banana board. <laughs> <laughs> oh, was that in Chapter 2? <laughs> Is it the yeah. same character? That was Richie before he became a famous comedian, yeah, and he was like, was like, like uh, <laughs> he was lame living with Rod Kimball. <laughs> my number nine is The Lighthouse. It was really good. <laughs> I'm sorry, it was so good. <laughs> well, walking out of the theater, I wasn't sure how I felt about it, but I still can't stop thinking about it. Um, it's got enough interesting scenes that I keep thinking about between like either how it was filmed or the actual content of the movie filled filmed and the content of the movie. Like the aspect ratio was unique. The the pure chaos of weather that happens in that movie like i won't spoil it because i know how like it is an important movie that you guys will see (laughs) so um really good i love it a lot there's a lot to discuss for that and i feel like you could develop a lot of theories about what's going on in it and who knew what when and 
uh, how much was truthful and how mm-hmm. much of it was, uh, I don't know, Willem Dafoe line, basically. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's a weird, it's a trip. That is a movie I could call, yeah. like, it's a trip. Yeah, I'll say, when you guys watch it, I'd love to do an episode on it. Yeah, I'll watch it's it. It's house. Number nine. My number nine is a film titled Waves. Tell us about it. I guess it didn't pick up too much uh, steam during awards season, but it's basically a movie about a high school boy who is into wrestling, and it's kind of a, I guess, a coming-of-age story about his life, the events that surround him, the pressures of his family and dealing with that. And the reason the movie's good, though, is because, well, it messes around with that aspect ratio a lot. And it also has a lot of interesting camera techniques. Messes around um, with it? Like, does it change aspect yeah, ratio? Yeah, constantly. Really? Like, it's, at one point, it's uh, just straight up, like, uh, cinemascope widescreen. Then we go into, like... You know, like the TV aspect ratio, sixteen by nine. And it goes into like vertical view. Well, for then, well, <laughs> I was screen. thinking it was getting to that point because actually, for a while, then we're just in uh, four by three ratio, like like the lighthouse. We're just mm-hmm. in uh, classic, as they say, full screen ratio, and we kind of just keep hopping around those different types for different scenes. A lot of interesting camera techniques. A lot of different. Like editing techniques, so it's like an enjoyable movie to watch. But I also really like what they do narratively because halfway through the movie, the main character changes completely. Um, which this is a different actor. <laughs> same it's not the same. It's com- they completely change who the movie's point of view is, who the main character is, and who we're following. We're no longer following this boy. We're now following a different character, uh-huh. and the character we were following previously pretty much did something that will completely change the audience's <coughs> perception of said character, and then we just move on with someone else. And to me, I was like, this is kind of like challenging us right now mm-hmm. to you know, question our own, I guess, point of view of said characters and what we think of him, what we think now, mm-hmm. given the events that happened and transpired. And I think it was just really interesting. Like, mm-hmm. I just... It was a movie that, to me, felt like I was watching an artistic piece that I guess could be considered pretentious to some, mm-hmm. but I didn't feel that. I felt like it was more, mostly going for the emotional side of it, mm-hmm. and it, I thought it worked. Uh, my number eight, I just saw a couple days ago, uh, Light of My Life. Really? Okay. Yeah, that makes me like feel it. really good that uh, it made it... Uh, even to number eight was yeah, good. Yeah, it... I, I didn't know where to put it amongst... It was lower on my list, but I knew it was on my list. Hmm. Um, I read about the marriage story. I'd definitely give it another watch. Um, it is a slow burn, but it the dialogue is excellent. And, mm-hmm. like, Casey Affleck and the girl are really good together. All, all the females died off in, like, a weird... Mm-hmm. Similar to Children of Men, it's like a plague is... Yeah. Just killed women instead of making infertility. Well, for some reason, Casey Affleck's daughter's still alive. Well, it's like me and me and Zach were talking earlier. It's not Mad Maxi, you know, where there's like cyberpunk <laughs> people. It's like similar to like, like um, it's not act like if, if it was a video game. It's not an action like 
ram through these levels. It's like yeah. a stealth game where you have to like. Isn't The Last of Us like about a, like a father and his daughter or something like that? I haven't it's played not it. His daughter. It's a girl. Then. Okay. Like yeah. A girl that's like his. Like it. She looks like okay. his daughter. I would. I would say it's similar to that. This is like. They're because it's potentially the last girl mm-hmm. on earth like She's this like father valuable. has to like protect her because like who knows what she has to actual man kind will do if they find out so he has to like pass her off as a boy yeah she has to pretend she's a boy mm-hmm. and like you can tell she's gonna start going through puberty soon and like mm-hmm. when it, she's gonna start to develop yeah the point of the movie is risky. the movie is like basically him having all these talks with her about yeah. like what is morality what yeah. is womanhood in a world without women? What is, like, what makes you a good person? Like, right in the beginning of the movie is this huge conversation about yeah. morality. What makes you a good person? Uh, between morality and ethics. Like, like, yeah, white lies are not white lies. It's very good because of the dialogue. But it does have, it's a slow burn, but it has some pretty yeah, the, intense, intense the, moments the in it. The last act is crazy. Very highly recommend it. <laughs> it's good. On Amazon Prime, for anyone wanting to watch it. Number eight is Zombieland Double Tap. Really? <laughs> nice. Yeah. It was fun. Explain. <laughs> um, it's I... above Endgame. <laughs> oh my god. Stop saying that oh after every one of my movies. <laughs> it's above Endgame. <laughs> Just remember, it's every one of these movies end. are above Endgame. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. No, we won't shame you. We won't shame you. Why? What do you think? Um, I thought it was a really good sequel to Zombieland. What was her name? What was her name? Oh, oh no. Madison. Madison. I'm Madison. (laughs) (laughs) I wish if her. I wish her name was Beverly. Because in the first one, he's, like, lying about oh, hooking up with a girl yeah. in, like, a Beverly snowball truck Hills. or something, oh. and he's like, Beverly, Beverly Hills. And then, like, <laughs> if her name happened to be Beverly, that's when, like, he's like, this is the Beverly or something. <laughs> Potential for a good joke that they missed, but anyway. I just thought it was a fun movie, and I liked it, and Zach's mean. No, I liked the movie. There it is. I liked it, but I think... It was one of those things where I think we even said in the episode it just felt like they made the sequel way too late. But I was still happy it happened. Like I'm glad they finally did it, and I was like at least satisfied enough. Because I guess like what are you, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do about mm-hmm. the sequel to Zombieland? I guess I I guess I thought there'd be more possibilities, but even watching it, I'm like, mm-hmm. well, I guess I don't know what they would have done with it. I guess with that story, I think I would have made some changes of yeah. what. Yeah they did wear and structure wise but I think we talked about like the super zombies like the different <clears throat> classes of zombies yeah there was like some missed opportunities but overall I was like I, I we wanted a sequel to Zombieland and we got one so mm. whatever yeah I still had fun mm-hmm. my number 8 is a movie called The Last Black Man in San Francisco I heard about that I, I didn't get a chance that. to see this it's on Amazon Prime <laughs> like all movies I saw on my list uh didn't know what I was getting myself into. Some people I've heard say it's a slow burn, but I mean, I wasn't like anticipating an action movie. It's just a really good introspective movie about ambition and like where you find your identity in your ambition. And uh, the premise is like this guy is convinced um, 
he, he basically his his grandfather built this house in the Bay Area in, in San Francisco, and it's part of like this very classic, um, like eighteen hundreds looking house, like Victorian style, but it's not like it's just the style, and it's millions of dollars because of the style and what. But he's he knows that his grandpa built it with his bare hands, and basically. It's just like these rich um, white people from out of town that are like buying these houses and living in them. And he knows that that one was built by his grandpa. And these people are like, you know, not taking care of the house really well. Mm. And so he's there like every day fixing it up while other people are living there. And that's like his whole identity is making sure this house stays um, in quality condition. And the plot goes different places. Um, But, uh, that's the main point of the movie is him and how he um, identifies through that. Um, it's like a four and a half star movie. It's almost five, but the very ending is very uh, flat. Like like the actual, not just like the third act. It's like the end of the movie is like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> And I'm interested if you guys watch it to what you think the ending is all about. My number eight is Knives Out. Nice. Uh, which is just good mystery movie where the mystery is kind of told to us from the beginning, but mm. we have to learn about everything else that transpired. I guess I've never seen a mystery movie done that way, really, where we are getting the details of the actual murder and who was pretty much behind it, except there's a little more to it than that, and that's what the movie's more about, like, the little more to it. A lot of the movie is basically, we already know this girl thinks she's the one who did it, and it seems like Daniel Craig is following a trail of breadcrumbs that's leading to nothing. And as the movie progresses, though, you start to figure out more, and I I like that you don't really have a clear idea of who could have done it. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess after figuring out the true enemy the true murderer it feels a little more obvious but i don't know at first it just really i thought those characters were crafted well enough where i could have believed any of them to do it it was making me question it this is also on my list pretty high actually yeah um i thought everyone had good screen time except for like the kid from it he was the only one that was kind of weird i really wish they would have given more of a final joke for him Instead of just Something. leaving it at, oh, he's an alt-right freak. And I'm like... He's in the bathroom. <laughs> and, he, and yeah, and that's kind of the big joke. And I'm like, I'm like waiting for, I don't know, a Home Alone paint can to hit his head. I'm just waiting for something, mm-hmm. you know? Just something to happen to him and nothing does. And mm-hmm. I was like, that is kind of a weird setup. But I, I feel like this... Uh, I haven't really seen a mystery movie like this where they, they show the murder right away and like... You, you think it's her the whole time. And it was her, but it wasn't her. And Where you see the victim have, a, like, a lot of screen time? Yeah. <laughs> in an interesting way? Yeah. Well, you also... It, it is one of those where I, I do start to question if it's actually a murder mystery. I'm like, wait, I, but she did it. I'm like, so is mm-hmm. the movie going to be about how we're going to make sure she doesn't get in trouble for this? Because it's mm-hmm. clearly just an accident. Right. But, like... Is that what the movie's about? So it kind of almost throws you off until you get to the end. You're like, oh, well, it is a classic murder mystery. Mm-hmm. It is Daniel Craig's, like, because you were asking me if I'd, you know, seen Logan Lucky, do I think this is his best performance? And, I mean, now after watching Dragon Tattoo, which he's also great in, but mm-hmm. 
Um, and I just watched Spectre again recently, but I'm like, I really think this is his best performance, is in Knives Out. He's, he's so really different tired. than who you'd uh, think he would be. The podcast I was listening to, they're like, okay, they gotta do all these different movies with this guy, but he has to have a different accent every movie, but he plays the same character. <laughs> he is. Well... <laughs> You know, I, well, and you, you know what I really like about him is that he is. Gets me on the Leo. He's not the classic one step ahead of everyone detective. He actually kind of is a bit of a doofus at times. He doesn't always have everything figured out right away. Even by the end, he's gonna wrap up the case until like really last seconds in a really kind of cheesy way. He's like, I, oh, wait, wait a minute, one second, <laughs> and then he's like completely changing course. And I'm like, I like, mm. I love that whole like monologue about the donut and the donut hole or whatever. It's a donut hole within another donut hole, yeah. or something. Like, no. <laughs> I forgot exactly what he said, but it was it, like it like didn't make sense, but it was, it was also funny. Hole, it was the donut. It was the donut hole. That uh, genre murder mystery movie is like I think going to make a resurgence after murder murder on the Orient Express, and then this one, uh, Death on the Nile. Kenneth Branagh is making um, Death on the Nile. And I also like that the movie has a bunch of weird, like, oh, there's a secret passageway over here. Oh, we have this. And, you know, and a lot of other murder mysteries. Yeah, but, like, other murder mysteries, you'd be like, well, this is kind of just a fun but cheesy, uh, not realistic, you know, adventurous murder mystery. You know, but a lot of this stuff couldn't happen in real life because that doesn't exist, that doesn't exist. But this movie, it all exists in that house. And it also actually makes sense why it's there. Because the guy literally wrote murder mysteries and he designed his house as such. Mm -hmm. Because he had the money to and he just, that is his life. So I was like, okay, so having like that little secret passage there actually makes sense. Mm -hmm. And um, I thought that was like a little interesting added uh, portion. My number seven is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We liked it a lot really fun that is also um, my number brad, seven i like mm. brad pitt i wish he had more screen time in this movie it felt more like it should have been his movie than leonardo's movie to me i don't know i guess i don't need him to be the main main character because but i he, feel like his a lot to me a lot more of his stuff stood out yeah well i think leonardo's. he's more interesting because yeah. he's kind of just this uh, man who's lived many years already, just on like a zen mm-hmm. level, mm-hmm. you know, you could tell that he's been through a lot, but he's turned that into let's find peace with it, rather than yeah. anger or restraint. Yeah. I think... <laughs> Bruce Lee. <laughs> I would rather see a Tarantino movie with only him and no Brad Pitt, or I would rather see a Coen brother movie just focused around Leonardo DiCaprio. Wait, what did I did I just say something really weird? Uh, yeah, Brad Pitt or Brad Pitt or something? Did I say? No, you said Leonardo in a Coen Brothers movie or yeah, just I'd rather see just Brad Pitt and his character in Tarantino. Yeah, or I'd rather just see Leonardo's whole story of this, but so just a Coen Brothers a style Tarantino movie about a struggling like stunt double. Yeah, is this movie in at, at all your top ten? No, <gasps> I know. That's understandable. I love parts of it. It's understandable. Some of my favorite parts in any movie ever, but not enough to make it. Gotta say, after like rewatching it again, I, I liked it the first time, but I think I was expecting something a little more. I think we talked about that in the podcast too. Mm-hmm. It was just not what we expected. But rewatching it at home, I was like, I really like this more because it's just such a chill atmosphere to it. It's such a good production design, yeah. and 
Man, I'm really starting to get into the 70s and 60s aesthetic. I went yeah. almost a decade on just, like, loving 80s stuff, and now I'm I'm getting more into, like, 70s and 60s stuff now, yeah. especially with, like, Ford that's, v. Ferrari. That, that's and, how I felt about watching, like, uh, Three from Hell and those movies. They all take mm-hmm. place around, like, late 60s, early 70s, mm-hmm. and it all kind of feels like that. Mm. And it's, like, all, <clears throat> was it, like, Nevada or something? It's all desert. Nevada, California. Southern California. Yeah. Southern California, like early seventies. It's kind of cool set for movies. Mm-hmm. Seems like. And rewatching it again, um, I got like really much more emotional by the ending this time around than mm-hmm. I did in the theater. But you know, in the theater, I, I kind of expected that it wasn't going to play out exactly like how the real life events did. But there was just something about the finale. The fi- well, not the finale. The finale is just crazy and uh, mm-hmm. f- hysterical, but crazy. But like the final shot of the movie, just there was something that was very emotional about it. And I think it was just because I really did get into Leonardo DiCaprio's character too, and where he's at with his career and. Um, you know, just feeling like he doesn't have it anymore, mm-hmm. and... What was that show that he was in? Bounty Law. Bounty Law. Yeah. And he kind of feels like he's on... Maybe he's just... His time has come and passed. And mm. it's just something just sad about that ending, because he goes and joins, uh... He joins that guy up to Sharon Tate's house, and it's like... After that, you start to realize, that, like... Like... What was that film director? Um... Well, Roman Polanski... Wasn't that him? Well, no, because Roman Polanski was not in town then. That is why he was not one of the people murdered. That's right. Um, He was actually off somewhere else cheating on her. Um, Probably. Which, that's funny, because watching that scene where they're at the Playboy Mansion, there's that guy just from a distance explaining who they all are. He's like, that guy used to be with her, but then she married that guy. He's Mm -hmm. like, and that guy is still friends with them. It's like, and he's waiting around because he knows... He is going to mess it up someday. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because that is true. He was going to mess it up someday. In fact, famously, even since she's died, he mm-hmm. massively you know, oh, yeah. messed his whole own life up. Yeah. Um, but even before then, when he was with Sharon Tate, he was cheating on her. So mm-hmm. it's like, that would have came... Either way, something was going to happen yeah. eventually. And I just she think... pregnant with his baby? Yes. But it made me more emotional because uh, not just from you know that standpoint, but also the the character of Leonardo DiCaprio. Like it, it kind of made me realize just about the idea of uh, your time coming and passing. He literally lived right next door to them, and now you know him going and talking with them and being friends with them is probably going to get him you know in contact with Roman Polanski, other directors, and his career is probably going to start coming back now. Mm-hmm. Literally, only because. He's hanging out with people. That age-old thing of it's all about the people you know. Mm-hmm. And it's just... It makes me sad because I'm like, I feel like that is so true for so many people. It's just a matter of being in the right place, right time. And... Yeah. 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 Did you hear that uh, Tarantino's talking about making Bounty Law? Like he want, he, sa- he says show? if they actually make the TV show, he will direct five episodes of it because yeah. he's written five episodes. Those would be the episodes. But he, I think they want the series to be longer than that. Right. But they, Tarantino said he would direct the five he wrote. Cause would after, it be like a HBO five-episode run only thing or like a no, Stars? No, they'd probably stretch it out. He, I can't imagine that being on Netflix. No, I'm guessing it would actually I think it would be, be a limited like series. It would probably be like an actual... 
old what spaghetti western kind I, of I think show. they would try to do it like old school and I think but like on TV or like where, well, where, where would we see this well we, I think it would be on whatever streaming service would accept it Probably and HBO take a chance stuff. on it because also you'd have to pay Leonardo DiCaprio a lot of money to just do a TV show yeah and they true. would want him to do it because yeah. that would be the only reason I think Tarantino would want to do it mm. and Tarantino, when he wrote Once Upon a Time, he put it aside after he was done, and then he went and wrote a play, and then he wrote a novel, and then he wrote five episodes of Bounty Law. Hmm. So those are the five episodes that I, I assume he wants to do, since they said he'd want to direct five episodes. I'm like, I'm mm-hmm. guessing it's the ones he wrote. I don't know if that's all they plan on doing if they actually make the show, but we'll see. Hmm. We'll see if it happens. I, I feel like that's a bit of a stretch. Um but it'd be awesome. I'd yeah. be so down for that. Oh, yeah. Anything Tarantino does. Anything he produces, I'd see. Me? Yeah. Seven? Yeah. Seven. Climax. What'd you think? Uh, it was super weird. And the first thing I noticed was the long shots. Like, those were incredible. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's still, it's like, I don't really know what to think of it. I loved it. But I, I want to watch it again. Yeah, I feel like it would go up your list. Mm-hmm. Like, even hearing it, like, at 7, I'm like, that's kind of low for Climax. Climax is so good. Mm-hmm. But you're right, it's so much goes on. And, like, it it starts off with, like, a different tone where you're like, it's not as eerie as you think it would be, considering no. the end. It's, like, way more upbeat, you know? And then yeah. also it's in French. So it's mm-hmm. like, you're taking in this other, like, a subtitle Thing. That's why I like there's so many sequences of them dancing where there's no subtitles. Because mm-hmm. I can just focus on the dancing. And... Yeah, the first like 10 mm-hmm. minutes is just them dancing. It's wild. Yeah. I love that part. It's so cool. And it took me a while to notice that there were no cuts happening. And then when I noticed that, I was like, all of these people are doing a choreographed dance for mm-hmm. this long. And like, it looks great. It just blew my mind. With a lot of people. A lot mm-hmm. of people, yeah. I guess, like, watching the beginning of the movie, I was a little confused at first about what exactly it was going to be. Because I couldn't actually figure out. I'm like, is this, like, a documentary? Well, is the this title card about- is so different. Do you love the part where they show all the different bands that are, like, going to be in the movie? And it's just this real quick. And, yep. it, and it's showing them. And yep. they have all these really interesting, like, artsy designs Fonts for the name. And, and I'm like... They change and- color at times. Mm-hmm. And, like... This is a movie where you kind of don't know where it's going every second because yeah. the be- it feels well. I'm trying to remember. Did your version you saw begin with the girl going outside? Yep. Scre- okay, so that's how mine began too, and it's almost like that's the ending of the movie, and even cut as so because it's not like they show a title and then they show the ending of the movie and they begin. No, it's like it's almost like it's misplaced. I, I thought there was a mistake when I was watching. I'm like, why are they? This seems like the wrong movie. Or <laughs> no, I, I I was watching that. I don't I'm like. Okay, this like is seems like that enough of that. Like that scene was like how I thought, like, Red Sparrow might have been or something. It seemed like something from, like, some, like, like Hannah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I can't remember the scene after, but, like, they they have the credits in the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. And they're, like, yellow. 
and the title cards and like the like I said the, the bands mentioned in the movie are like and they don't happen in the beginning of the movie it happens like later on like in the middle of the movie yeah too. it's like right after they do their big dance number it's right? after the first <laughs> act but <laughs> there's like and a then second it's like, line of credits and they're like and, like, and now the movie begins and I'm yeah. like wait we already did like and one of the bands they showed I was like you already played that song I'm like what did we <laughs> it's <laughs> very it's like a backwards movie but like yeah. It almost oh, feels like there's mistakes going on, but they're perfect mistakes. They're per- yeah. <laughs> and after the dance number happens, and that's after the little interviews, which yeah. that even can we, throw you we off. Have, Zach hasn't seen it yet, so we got to be careful, but I oh, do want to go in depth with this without spoiling it. Oh, yeah, can. definitely. Well, I'm just saying that it's like, yeah, at first I was like, maybe it's a documentary. And then I actually thought when they were dancing, I was like, I kind of hope this is the whole movie, because mm-hmm. this is alone is enough. Like, this is awesome. Just watching them dance and... It doesn't end up being that, but I still wasn't disappointed about where it goes. In fact, I didn't think that there'd be anything narratively there. Yeah. But there kind of is a narrative. There kind of is a villain of the movie. Mm-hmm. There is kind of a uh, a reason for everything. There is, I guess as they say, a climax to the movie. Like, there is actually yeah. um, something that's driving it. But a lot of it is just like... I, I don't know if it takes a certain audience member, but mm-hmm. you guys loved it. I, every person I've re- who has seen yeah. it has loved it. So well, far. there's like no, there's kind of a main character, but only up to a certain point. Then that you don't see that character for like till the end of the movie. Like mm-hmm. you, the climax isn't just like in a way it's saying it's like the climax of one night, but it's also like the climax of every single character is the main character, and so you see how each of their night climaxes. You know? Because, like, when I first... Like, I saw this movie, like, months and months ago on Netflix or whatever. And by the cover art, like, looks like how the movie is. But before seeing it, I'm like, it just looks like a sex movie. <laughs> I don't really want to watch the sex movie. Um, and then you said it was really good. I'm like, okay, so it must be more than just that. And, um, holy crap... <laughs> That movie is... There is sex in it. There is, but <laughs> not as much as I thought there would be, which is I'm thankful for, mm-hmm. um, just because I can focus on, like, the other stuff. Like, it, it wasn't, like, some hyper-sexualized, like, sci-fi movie. It was, mm-hmm. like, um, almost too grounded in reality that, like, it was... It's... I, I don't know. Like, I've never went to college... And I don't know if I ever will anymore after watching this well, movie. Because like uh, I just don't trust it. This is like, I think this is. I would never go to an art school. This event is exceptionally yeah. rare, but it was right on the edge of it feels real. Like the environment yes. and um, the lighting of everything and the loud music and just kind of being stuck. Because I've definitely mm-hmm. been to a party like that. Not where people are on the floor, you know, I, well, you know, I don't want to spoil too much, but it. I've been in an environment like that, so it's relatable enough to where I can see mm-hmm. it freaking people out. Because you're like, wow, I have had a bad trip like this. Um, I've never done drugs, but I can see people who have done mm-hmm. drugs saying, I have had a bad trip like this, and it feels exactly like this. I, I, I would love to know what people who have heavily done drugs would think of this movie, and if it if it feels as close to the mm-hmm. what it's like to be on a bad yeah. high. Yeah, that makes that the very beginning scene of the woman in the snow, like, the depth of and weight of that after later on in the movie when you realize who that person is, and you're like, oh, it's not just some random girl, it's like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, 
And yeah. you know what I love about it, too, is just the fact that <clears throat> you kind of wonder by the end, was that just a weird... Because you don't really get an explanation as to why everything's going yeah. on, but you accept it, and you just accept it as being this beyond our world, set in our world, mm-hmm. but beyond our uh, comprehension of what's going on or why these things are happening. Maybe all of it can be interpreted, but until you kind of see the final mm-hmm. shot... Well, so, do you think, without using pronouns, do you think the the culprit was that person? Yeah, totally. Okay. Oh, yeah. 100%. 100%. Okay, okay. I, think it's I, I thought it was, such. and I was also, like, the way that it fades out of, like, the blinking eye, mm-hmm. like, I was like, I think that's the culprit, but I also, I'm, I don't know if it is. Like, it's, you know, but... But I just kind of wonder if people would be disappointed. I don't know if people are disappointed that there is a culprit in the end. Maybe they want things to be a little more um, up in the air. Just chaos. Yeah. Just but, Jurassic Park on But I kind of like that LSD. ending because it, it just adds, I think, that extra element yeah. of like, wow. And all of this probably could have been avoided. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and, I and then think she it, went to go make murder party. I think it adds to when there's the interviews in the beginning, the very small thing that is said. Yep. Like, that adds a little bit of mystery to that situation, mm-hmm. too, because, mm-hmm. like, did the same thing happen yeah. then as well? Yep. The only thing that I didn't like about this <clears throat> movie, and it's pure preference, I hate upside-down shots. I hate them. <laughs> I hate them, I hate yeah. them. And Did this, this have has, one? Oh, there was an the extended sequence is, of it being upside like down. Oh, because it's hard to look or because it's bad I just, art? I just don't like okay. it. Okay. Yeah, I think I it was that. high art. But it was. It fit the movie. It made you feel like you were tripping out, I think. Because yeah. it's black with flashes of red, yeah. and then all of a sudden you see yeah. parts that <laughs> you don't know. Is that what it is? Is that what I think it is? Um, I, I watched A Hole in the Ground. I think I told you it's a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Um, good movie that you like, but it does open with an upside down shot. So <laughs> if you can get past like, that, it's just quick, go. it's fine. Because I think it happened in Midsummer a couple yeah. of times. Quick ones I can get by, but the extended yep. upside down, I was like, ugh. But I still love the movie nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good the, one. The director of this movie, because um, someone, this movie actually got pretty good reviews, and it was surprising for this director because he's made a lot of artsy movies that aren't well received they're very split down the middle but this one was way more on the positive end for most people and he was asked about it in an interview like what do you think of this movie having a way better reception than your previous work and he was like he's like oh no i'm surprised he's like to think the movie that i put the least amount of effort into somehow is getting the most the best response he's like i must be doing something wrong <laughs> that's all he said um because actually, I, I want to look up the production. Um, it's notable for the unusual style. And produ- I'm reading this straight from Wikipedia, but um, it was pre-produced in only four weeks and shot in chronological order in only 15 days. Um, it was a large amount of it was unrehearsed. A lot of it was improvisation, and there was the long-lasting 42-minute shot in the movie. So. Um, the cast was mostly just dancers, so that's why you don't know who any of them really are. They're just dancers. But a lot of it was imp- it was improv, and a lot of it was not really planned. Like it said, it, it, they pretty much planned this movie in a month, and then they went and made it. And it's like... God. I believe it also. <laughs> like, yeah. But it's... Yeah. But it's like... It's one of those things where it's just... Sometimes I think you could just pick up a camera, go for it, and it just makes something... 
just film interactions and if the people are crazy enough <laughs> and if you can think of something crazy enough it, mm-hmm. it can work um well it seems like they could even have been like all right you 20 people you dancers you all come up with your own backstory show up for film you know on set and then we'll make it happen and they mm-hmm. just it seems like something that they would write the day of and like this is me and my son, I'm the dance instructor, you know, or like, you know, this is me and my sister, you know, and like... Oh, I forgot about the child. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot about the child part of the movie. Right, all right, let's let's move on. (laughs) Yeah, let's move on. Uh, What was your number seven? Um, We we should do an episode on Climax. Oh, man, I want to watch it again. Um, My number seven was Us, which we already talked about quite a bit. Love it, really excited to see what... um, Jordan Peele. Jordan Peele does. Yeah. <laughs> I kept wanting to say Alice Cooper for some reason. That's so not right. Okay. It's just the polar opposite. <laughs> yeah. Could not be more different. Us is number seven. Nice. Good movie. Um, my number seven is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So huh? we got into that. Nice. Mm-hmm. I copied Zach actually right now. as I was like, his number seven, I wrote it down. Uh, my number seven is Dolomite is my name. <laughs> number six. Oh, number six is Don't Light Is My Name. Yeah. <laughs> it's number six and seven. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I I feel like I knew who Dolomite was. Like, I feel like I've seen that before, but I didn't know anything about him. I didn't have any context about who the guy was. Like, I've, I've seen clips of, like, old 70s. What is that? Black Spike? exploitation movies mm-hmm. but Eddie Murphy did a great job and it was really funny and I'm glad that he's making a comeback <laughs> I was kind of wondering if it would be a bad movie uh, when yeah. I first heard about just it cause just because it's like a straight to Netflix kind of well just because it's Eddie Murphy and I feel like even if they were to build up a big return for him I feel like I, there was a part of me that felt that his Time had just passed that his comedy wasn't going to work as well anymore. But this year they announced he was going to be on SNL and he was going to be in this movie. He has never hosted SNL since being on the show back in the 80s. And he hasn't really been in any movies for like a decade. His last couple movies weren't that great. Was it Meet Dave? And- yeah, Meet Dave was like his last one. But I mean, he was in Tower Heist, I guess. But yeah. basically, any kind of movie he was trying to do in the last couple of years wasn't that great. And any time he'd be like, I'm coming back, it wasn't that great. So I wasn't expecting much from either. But, but the SNL appearance, which was hilarious, but Dolomite also proved that. I'm like, wow, he still has it. It's really just because he's been picking terrible projects or he just wasn't in the right movies and then he wasn't mm-hmm. nothing for like a decade, but man, he still has it. I feel like a lot of it with these actors is just they want to be a parent because I know a lot of them, like Mike Myers, he yeah. has like a three-year-old and like a six-year-old and he's just being a parent. Well, I get now that. Now he's like slowly coming back. But I mean like sometimes when people do that, uh, I mean nothing against them personally, but like when sometimes when you do that and you're out of the industry for long enough, you try to come back and it's not, you don't, you just don't hit the same way anymore. Right. It's not as entertaining, you're not as funny and it's just, it's understandable, but some people can do it. I mean, it's funny. I mean, Dave Chappelle did it this year too. Well, I guess kind of last year also, but there, there's two like people who just gone for a decade and they mm-hmm. came back and are just as good. Mm-hmm. Um, Eddie Murphy... He's great in this movie, and I just love that character because there's so much like optimism and positivity with him, and the way he's just making that movie, I'm like, I I feel like this is like 
what more directors should be like because essentially he's making you know it's a, it's a black exploitation film but it's so cheap that to any normal critic especially at the time mm-hmm. they all thought it was garbage um but he was just like it was funny they go and see that one movie in theaters which yeah. is at the time was a critically acclaimed film and they were just ticked at it because they were like there was no shooting there were no titties it was a boring movie so they decided to make the complete opposite and Dolomite actually was one of the most popular movies that year. Um, it put black exploitation pretty much on the market. You know, that already existed, but it became into the public perception at that point. But I, I want to watch the original movies now. I know, um, And just, I do love that ending of the movie too, because the the movie is sold out for blocks. like, mm-hmm. And they basically say they only had like the one premiere or whatever for that town, but they decide they're going to show the movie again later so everyone in line can see the movie. But while they're showing it on the big screen for the first audience, the whole cast goes in there, but Dolomite actually stays outside and he just talks to everybody outside and makes jokes because he's also a stand-up comedian. So he just stands outside with the audience waiting to see Dolomite because he's like, they want to see Dolomite? I'm going to give them Dolomite. And I was like, that is such a tender moment. I'm like, I love that. I want to believe that actually happened. (laughs) I was watching watching interviews, and I guess uh, Eddie Murphy wanted to make this movie for a while. And like he, before uh, Rudy Ray Moore died, the guy who he's playing, uh, he kept pitching him this movie and like wanting to do his life story. And he's like, Nah, Eddie, let's just go on tour. Let's just go on tour. Come <laughs> on, just, man. He didn't want to make a movie. He's like, no, that's boring. Let's do this instead. That's cool. Like, I don't know. That, I, I want to watch it now. You guys sold me on it. Oh, yeah, I wasn't sure at first because I thought it was, was like a what, sequel Wesley or something. Snipes is in it? This yeah. is like the spiritual, I would say, successor to the unofficial trilogy of Ed Wood, the disaster artist, and now Dolomite is my name. Okay, as far. Yeah. This one isn't too focused on the movie-making part, because it's actually... There's other stuff at the beginning. Mm-hmm. But I didn't realize that at first watching it, that it was actually become a movie-making movie. Yeah. Uh, because I guess I didn't know too much about Dolomite, but I, I was seeing him do like the comedy acts. I was mm-hmm. like, okay, he's a comedy star. I didn't realize he'd start making a movie during it. Yeah. Would the aviator count? As part of that, yeah. I never watched the Aviator, so I guess I'd have to. Good. I'd have to watch. That's like I'm trying Howard to catch Hughes. up on my Scorsese right now. Yeah. Um. So I'll. I'll I do want to watch. It. I've Good meant to for a long time. Number six. Uh, my number six is Doctor Sleep. Cool. We already talked about it. Oh, is this on Zach's list? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that was my number ten. Okay. Um, I really liked the scenes that paid homage to the original or The Shining. Yeah. I thought they were done really well. Cool. People who say otherwise are dumb. <laughs> I'm just kidding. What did you think of the girl? I liked her. Avra's a cool, cool character. The the young girl? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what else she's in. She is an mm-hmm. excellent actress. Yeah, she was great. Excellent. My number six was Ford vs. Ferrari. Um, oh, yeah, I typically, I wouldn't go to see a car movie. Um, but I love Matt Damon. I love Christian Bale. I really love uh, John Bernthal. Um, and Justin sold me on it, and so me and Sydney went. And yeah, that movie was more than just a car movie. That was yeah, I haven't seen incredible. It it's definitely Justin was saying it was movie of the year when we went to go see it, and it is definitely in that range. Like just. It's like I said. It's not about racing itself. It's just about 
the politics it's more about, of it? N- more about, like, skill and, like, Is it? competition. Okay. And, like... Um, Does Matt Damon and Christian Bale, do they, are they racing? Christian Bale is, like, the driver, um, and uh, Matt Damon is... A former driver. Former, yeah. Former champion, too, right? Yeah, that's why uh, that's why Ford hired him. Yeah. Because they figured he would know something yeah. about the skill of making a car. Yeah. Ford, you know, wants to try and beat Ferrari in this crazy long 24-hour race, and... Uh, Matt Damon had already won it and, like, almost died. And then Christian Bale's, like, this crazy good driver. This British guy living in the U.S. And he's great in the movie. <laughs> yeah, Christian Bale is super good. Have you seen The Fighter? Uh, I have not. A little kind of similar to his character in The Fighter. Um, yeah, basically, Christian Bale's this crazy good driver, but he's also kind of, like, does everything his own way. And so Matt Damon has to decide between reining him in or letting him be himself because he's this great driver but it's also like this big fight against like the corporate guys in ford you know so it's good yeah that this is my favorite movie of the year still yeah and i guess walking and i i've been kind of disappointed lately by uh historical pieces of the mid-century united states um Mm -hmm. i don't know i feel like it looked from the poster like a story I've seen told before, and I was like, I don't know, but I want to see it because Mangold's behind it. Mm-hmm. It's got good actors, of course I'll see it. Um, did not expect it to be as good as I thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, for what I got, I was like, holy crap, this was amazing. I thought there was so many... Uh, well, I mean, just the fact that it was a racing movie and I was that invested, mm-hmm. but also it's about cars, which are you know the same. I'm not too into cars, but mm-hmm. I like watching people who... They're just good at what they do, and there's something really enjoyable about that and how they're so invested mm-hmm. in it. It's got a good humor. It's got, um, like you said, the challenges with Ford, but, and I like that there's some complexity there because it's very, I think it's kind of easy to go for the whole, oh, capitalism's bad and these mm-hmm. corporations are bad, and they kind of ruined mm-hmm. this whole race just because they wanted a stupid photo that historically, like, does anyone care about that photo now? Now that in, we know what the hindsight of that photo is. Like, do you really think anybody has that hanging up in their house now? I never would have known until watching this movie. It's a very cool story. Right. Well, I and then that, there's a part it. of me that was like, maybe people do hold that in, like, high esteem, that photo. Like, yeah. that's a great American photo right there. But I'm like, also, it's just a photo that is just almost like a promotion for Ford. That's all it is. But yeah. I also like that they kind of show, you know, they got the guy at Ford who's an asshole. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the really heartfelt scenes in the movie is when um, the guy who is the son of Henry Ford, who literally invented, like, the American automobile. Mm-hmm. And this dude's not as invested in that part of it. He's much more the business guy of it. But when he's racing around in that vehicle, they like take him for a ride. And it's meant to be this funny scene, but he has like an emotional reaction to mm-hmm. it. Cause he's like, if my father would have seen this today. And I was like, I kind of like that they added that. Cause you know, in the end it's like, yeah, it's corporations. And I agree. Like they, they yeah. don't, they don't back down by the end. They show that yep. the corporations are, a-holes and they ruined this race for this guy for this guy who's not american which i think is a big part of it mm-hmm. but also um these guys have heart though like these guys are still people mm-hmm. they still have emotional ties to the whole yeah. thing it's not just about the money it's not just about proving america number one it's like mm-hmm. no he had a connection to his father and he felt his father and i was like this is 
got so many good angles to it, and it's so hard, I think, for a movie to do that yeah. nowadays. I think, like, that scene where, you know, they're, they're, they're like, working together to get him isolated in the car, the, you know, the, you know, Right, to, Ford. to get them on their and, side. And, like, they, they know the feeling of being in that car, and he gets him in finally, and he takes him for a drive, and he's just terrified and screaming, and then they stop the car, and he's crying, and it's a mix of, like, being horrified, but then also, like, understanding the beauty of racing and, like, being in that fast of a car. Mm-hmm. Like, that totally, I, like, that scene explains, like, my transition into liking horror so much now. Like, of being like, nah, I don't like it. It's not that great of filmmaking. But, like, knowing all these directors who love horror. So and then like seeing thrust yourself into it, then? Seeing a couple amazing horror movies like Hereditary or mother or you know like green room you know and now midsummer and lighthouse where it's like still horrifying i can barely handle a lot of these movies but it's like i end with like this surreal experience of like here's a blank check give me more <laughs> like it's so scary and horrifying I, but i i need more of it you know my number six is hustlers um because there's strippers in that, so that's why, and that's mm-hmm. it. No, um, I really like this movie. I love movies that are have strippers. Yeah, that have strippers. Uh, Magic Mike. No, I I like movies that kind of reflect on the 2008 financial crisis, and this movie does that. But I think it had a much more interesting take about it because um, it wasn't just about the events that happened and transpired with all the people who live on Wall Street. But this was actually about people in a completely different industry. One that, as far as movies go, I feel have typically only been there for the eyeballs rather than for the story surrounding them. Or if Mm -hmm. there is a story surrounding them, it's usually like, they have a drug dealer boyfriend. This movie is about, like, just the women finding a scheme to get money out of the, the disgusting, terrible Wall Street guys that mm-hmm. screwed over the country. So, I mean, that alone's enough for a plot. But it's kind of... I didn't expect that it would be edited as well as it was, as entertaining as it was. Mm-hmm. And um, honestly, it, it's kind of like a, a Martin Scorsese uh, successor. Everybody mm-hmm. said Joker was, but honestly, I think it's more Hustlers. Because if you watch Goodfellas and then you watch Hustlers, it's like, wow, they they took a lot of notes, or they're, mm-hmm. you know, it's in the same kind of mold. Um, and yeah, and and it's uh, it's a movie that I don't know. I I I want to watch it again because mm-hmm. it's just it's shot well, looks good, has good actors, and every once in a while, it just takes some time to just relax and just. Have fun. Like, there's a scene in the movie where Usher shows up at the strip club. It has nothing to do with the movie. There's not... There's. It doesn't add anything. There's not really a point in showing this part of it. Mm-hmm. But they actually cast Usher in the role of playing Usher, showing up at the strip club. Mm-hmm. And all the strippers are super excited because it's Usher. And it's such a... Like, it's like a... It's just there for comedy. It's funny, but it's also like... Yeah, if I was a stripper, I would probably also react this way if Usher showed up. Mm-hmm. So it's got moments like that. Um... I I dug this movie. Numero five is Spider-Man Far From Home. I forgot this existed. Yeah. It, it was a pretty solid MCU movie. Can't believe I forgot. Um, it's a really fun uh, Spider-Man adventure. Takes place in Europe. And uh, great villains. 
great villain. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal is awesome. Trippy, trippy movie. It has one of my favorite sequences in the MCU. Yeah. That little... It, makes, um, it made me question what was even real. <laughs> <laughs> in the entire series? No, no, just this movie. Did those people really disappear, or was it just Jake Gyllenhaal's glasses? <laughs> Do these people really exist, or is, are they all just actors? Jake Gyllenhaal is great in the movie. He, I, I really wish we'd get more of him in future MCU movies. Any, uh, any MCU movie with John Favreau. I need all John Favreau all the time. I need a happy movie. Yeah, I was glad they brought all those kids back, because I kind of like that part of the first one. Happy guarding all the kids in the... Yeah, or just like all the little like humorous moments they had on the side that didn't necessarily have to be about the plot. They were just kind of there to... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, be give a lot of character to these movies, make mm-hmm. them feel unique. I think it's to make Peter seem young. You know, that's true too. It's not just like, oh, look, he's in high school. It's like, look at his friends; they're in high school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I I I liked it, um, but it still was. I have like this unfair discouragement um, towards like road trip movies within a franchise. That's typically not a road trip, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's... Like, them traveling through Europe, like, isn't, like, a bad premise, but for a Spider-Man movie, it's, like, no. In my mind, it doesn't compute. Mm-hmm. It was, like, a fun movie, but it's also, like, I wish they just went back to New York. Because <laughs> I'm stupid. So... Is that your only with it? Kind of, yeah. I love Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, love Tom Holland as Spider-Man. And I like the premise of... Fighting, I just wish like that would all happen in New York, where Spider-Man's supposed to be. Because I'm stupid. <laughs> <That's> so stupid. <laughs> I know. I'm an idiot. I just don't like the road trip part portion of it. You know, <laughs> it's just it's weird if you think about it. I think. Well, yeah, I think it's a that's weird what they premise. Were doing was like, okay, he's always in New York. Gotta... They were trying to do what the first one did, where they brought him to Washington D.C. and then this oh, one. Yeah, they're like, to do that in the first so they're like, let's bring him to let's bring him to a different location for the entire thing. Um, I I don't mind seeing like an MCU movie also that doesn't take place in New York because a lot of them seem to do. Mm-hmm. But after rewatching it, I was like, you know, this I don't know. There's still just something like to me off about it yeah. that I can't really pinpoint. But it's just not as good as the other Spider-Man movies or the other MCU movies, just comparison wise. But even alone, there's parts of it, especially that finale where I'm like, it it looks kind of ugly. Like, I feel like there just should be more uh, vibrant colors going on here. A better color scheme. Mm-hmm. The first and, one there was. Yeah. I thought the vibrant. first like, one was really... A lot of, like, really... pinks in it that were surprising to see. A lot of... I thought um, it was more eye-pop in the first yeah, movie. But... Even for a nighttime scene, the first one, it, like, was very memorable. Whereas this one, like, ended in, like, a skywalk and just kind of felt like... Dull. And that whole just premise of using um, those drones to uh, make like an image, mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's far fetched um, because it's the MCU. I mean, yeah. so many things are far fetched, but. It seemed like it, on par with Ant Man or something. It was one of those things where I was sitting there kind of questioning the logistics a lot of the time, of, especially like when I saw that the waves were hitting Peter and he was getting wet, and I'm like, yeah, but. How are the drones picking up the water to throw it? Like, little buckets? I, I don't know. Like, there, it made me question a little bit too much about some of the stuff Maybe, that was yeah. going on. But 
like I said, I I I I do like the movie, but there I think it's just because there's been so many good Spider-Man movies. I mean, Spider-Man Two is still the best Marvel movie. I mean, you yeah. can't it. There's there's only so much you probably can do with the character at this point. Yeah, and especially when Into the Spider-Verse just came out last year and was like, wow, hey, look where we what we can do with this character. Yeah, completely different. Um, you know, uh, not a, a different form it's a complete it's an animation rather mm-hmm. than live action look what we can do with him in animation and i'm like let's see more of that mm-hmm. um i'm not against these movies though because i like tom holland and i want to see more of him too mm-hmm. we're just getting a lot of spider-man but i like it all mm-hmm. chloe uh my number five is jojo rabbit nice let's talk about that it's a good movie it was so good i can't stop thinking about the scene where um Taika Waititi's dressed as Hitler <laughs> says "truce" and then dives headfirst out the window. That is my yep. absolute favorite scene. <laughs> this perfect me. dive, it's so good. I wasn't expecting to laugh so hard and also be brought to tears yeah. so hard. The in the shoe same scene, movie. just just the shoes. You know, I have to say that I think that is the only reason I don't think this movie uh, this movie didn't hit my top ten. I think only because of that because. Because I didn't think it worked emotionally for me. Oh, oh, I even though I, it, I cried, even though I did, think all three of us cried. I think I'm glad it worked for other people. Because, like for mm-hmm. me, I think it's just because it. I don't know if I, it was because I wasn't paying attention enough, but mm-hmm. I was like, no, everything was set up correctly. They even had all those multiple zoom in shots of her dancing earlier with the shoes, and then you see almost that same exact shot later except now she's been hung you know and she's mm-hmm. like now it's just sees he just sees her shoes and recognizes them and the audience does too yeah but it happened so quickly that it just didn't work for me i was just kind of more stunned i was like oh um mm-hmm. wait why i know she was passing those things out but when they catch her what and now it, it happened so suddenly uh, but there's other... I mean, the rest of the movie works really well. I think that just because that part of it didn't work enough for me, mm-hmm. that it kind of brought the movie a little lower. Um, but, like, one scene I love is when those... Um, I think it's the Gestapo, when they go yeah. and stop at his house, <laughs> and they keep doing the... <laughs> and yep. It's yeah, funny that. as hell, but it's also stressful as hell, because you're like, holy <laughs> crap, why? She's just out and about now, and she's pretending to be his sister who's dead, and... Uh, and Sam Rockwell totally knew what was going on. Oh, like, yeah. come yeah. on. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But he's like, oh, war's almost over. <laughs> he's like the best character who like can start out bad and become good. Like, uh, well, I don't even know if he became good by the end. It more well, was just that he yeah, knew what was fair. He was. Yeah. It was because people. I heard people complain about that that they made him kind of a hero. Yeah, but I was like, I started to feel for him, and he was a Nazi. And I, I never thought I would feel for a Nazi. Well, I don't think it was even me feeling that. It was more just, they're not betraying him as a hero, but he's being fair about the situation. He's like, mm-hmm. I am dying because the war is over. I don't think he's serving up to all the bad deeds he's done, but he mm-hmm. realizes that JoJo does not deserve to die right now. This is, And he found a way to get him out of it. And I'm like... Well, he didn't rat out the 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 Jewish girl. Like He, no. he was like... It's not worth like he didn't believe in that cause. And you I know? think well I think he would fight for was... Germany, like for the like the, the fatherland, but like he doesn't he wouldn't be on the side of like murdering Jews, you know? Mm-hmm. That's that's how I read his character. 
I didn't even like serve it up to that. I just thought it was because he cared enough about Jojo, about his mom, that he was like, especially since the war's pretty much over. He, we kind of knew that already. Like when he was teaching those kids, they were already on the verge towards the end. Anybody who thought different was, well, like Rebel Wilson. They were just so crazy in the moment that they thought. Yeah, no, I forgot she was in this movie. <laughs> um, she's the, the weirdest clo- she's casting. Clones. <laughs> but just such a good mix of humor and of. Uh, you know, sadness mm-hmm. works well. And takeaway TD is Hitler. <laughs> yeah, uh, my number five is Light of My Life, which we talked about already. Yeah. Great Casey Affleck movie. Super, Super emotional. The the more movies I watch, um, the more I really I'm like more excited for slow burn movies than I am for like popcorn movies coming out because like. I'm almost a lot of the slow burn random like either A24 movies or just stuff I've seen on Amazon Prime. I look forward to watching again more than stuff that comes on theaters, which is sad because I would rather see. I wish I could have seen Light of My Life in a theater or Climax in a theater, you know. Um, but yeah, really good movie. Highly recommend it for mm-hmm. anyone. For sure. And number five is Toy Story Four. Nice. Gross. Hey. Yeah, you know, I think it's gross, but it's okay. I know other people had their disappointment with it. I uh, didn't see the point of making a fourth Toy Story at all, so I had no expectations. It was just like, whatever, it's Pixar. I'm sure I'll be good, but why are you making a sequel to this? And it felt like this movie was a play-by-play uh pointing directly at me like hey this is why there needs to be a sequel and i was like you're right really yeah because yeah. i felt that i never had thought about things until toy story 4 brought him up like especially about woody and his character mm-hmm. which i was like they didn't really go into his character arc in toy story 3 he was there for the events and he was having to get over the fact that Andy's moving on and he too needs to move on. But rewatching Toy Story 3, especially the ending, I'm like, Woody doesn't move on. He just kind of resettles in a different location, but is that where we should have left him? And Toy Story 4 is like the answer to that, which is, no, maybe he should have been doing something else. Maybe mm-hmm. he needs to move on to something else entirely. And that's why I love this movie. <laughs> Also, it's just like every other Toy Story movie, I think it just has a good, solid story, really yeah. good characters, and all the new characters really worked well for me. Um, yeah, I haven't seen it. Especially that doll girl, which I was like kind of expecting the same thing as the bear in Toy Story 3, but they gave it a little, they gave it a little more uh, than mm-hmm. just to have it be a sudden twist villain. I liked... I think the one thing I really liked about that movie was the random horror element of it with the the dummies yeah. falling and chasing. Those were, like, actually scary at parts. <laughs> My number four is Ready or Not. Gosh. It was real fun. Have you seen it yet? Ready no, Ready I, I, I was trying to talk Sydney into it Monday and... Yesterday and we didn't get a chance. So. It's really fun. So good. <laughs> I definitely want to. I have a I have a 2018 or 2019 watch list, mm-hmm. where it's like as soon as they come out on Redbox, which it is. I'm gonna try and see it. So, and you said you didn't watch the trailer, right? Nope. Okay, good. Don't. I, I, I think all that, I've I, seen. I I know the rough premise though. Like, yeah, it's they're gonna hunt her, but there's a weird family tradition, and they they have to hunt her in the house. Yeah, yeah. There's... But it's that's enough 
for me to get me in the theater. So we'll say like I'll the ending it. of it. I, I guess I didn't think they'd end up going there the way they yeah. did. Uh, yeah. I thought they were going to maybe chicken out, and I was like, I was so glad they didn't. I'm really <laughs> glad they ended it like that. Um, but... I, I think the only thing with this movie is that the trailer does kind of ruin it. I really yeah, wish I would have not. I wish this is a movie I would have just walked into and mm-hmm. seen what happened. This, this it would made the first experience. a movie that the trailers show a lot of the funny, the mm-hmm. funnier parts, or the, a lot like a lot of the comedic moments and beats. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Which so. I don't remember any. I I vaguely remember her talking to like her husband or husband to be. And, like, I, I remember the look of the house mm-hmm. and her in the dress, and that's it. So, like, Good. I don't remember any jokes or any lines from Best the trailer. Best part was in the barn or whatever when she... Oh, my God. When she, yeah. Oh, no, I know. <laughs> I don't, we, don't, we won't spoil yeah, it, no, but I'm that, that part... It was funny because my theater, when that happened, was silent, and I was the only one who laughed. I burst out laughing because I was like... I, I, yeah. I'm sick, I guess. Whatever. Yeah, it was, it was a really good time. <laughs> Chloe, number four. Oh, my number four is Knives Out. Dang. I like the main girl in that. Yeah. Oh, she yeah, was, she was my favorite part of it. Well, like, not even Daniel Craig, which is uh, good. Like, she was my favorite part of the movie. I liked Solid the performance. <laughs> like, the actual mm-hmm. writer dude. Cool. You know what? I, I didn't say this earlier, but, like, I don't know if you guys in podcast listening, you've heard of solve it's like a murder mystery podcast where like it it gives you chances to just to pick it's fictitious but like you guess who it is and at the end of it it says who it actually is and i think they're now it's the debut episode but it's basically the exact same thing as this <laughs> but it came out before knives out did and there's even like and he's not a nazi kid but he's like the kid who's like gonna be an heir but he's like more of like a, he's like hurts animals and kills animals, and he's like, is he a serial killer or not? You know, so interesting. My number four is climax. Nice. I, I we like really talked as much as we could about it. <laughs> so yeah, number four. You think it's gonna go fast now? We talking about last you bit? might hold us. Up. While we were talking, I almost moved climax up to number one. <laughs> it was so good, but I'm, it was to my number one. So to good. number one, oh, like man. it's. It, the more I, I think it about it. It was my number one for almost the entire year because I saw it, like, mm-hmm. I think it came out in March and it was so crazy. I think the only reason it's not, like, in the top three is, like, because of, like, actual, like, what it took to make the movie was less than these other three. Yeah. Um, but it's still, like, in terms of enjoyability and rewatchability, like, hell yeah, I'll watch that again. So no, I got a I got a unique one for number four. My number four is the 2019 film Avengers Endgame. Fine, skip. My my number four is Avengers Endgame. Nice. Endgame. Okay. Now number three. That's good. Worth it. Number three is Knives Out. Let's talk about it. (laughs) My number three is Ready or Not. Let's talk about it. (laughs) Um, Finally, I guess, I don't think we've talked about it yet. Midsummer is my number three. No, I wanted to wait. (laughs) You want to save it? Because I know where it is on Chloe's list. Yeah. Everybody knows where it is. We can talk about it now. We might as well talk about it now, I guess. It could be the big finale. Um... 
Yo, Midsummer was so freaking scary. (laughs) (laughs) Midsummer scared me so much. I still can't stop thinking of the opening scene of Midsummer. That is the scariest scene I think of any movie I've ever watched. Yeah. And it's not even like like a killer in the house or a haunting. It's just so visually disturbing and it has like I feel such sorrow the hose like following the hose following the hose and then seeing it like duct tape to this girl's mouth mouth. and like you see the puke coming out the side of it Mm -hmm. and like the color palette of like just the scene and like the flashlights of the firemen looking around and her like you know like a willingness to to do that to herself yeah and knowing she did to the parents too, like it is like I I it is so disturbing. And then to think then to go to a scene where you see the sister and the weight of that on that sister, mm-hmm. like I don't know if I've ever felt a feeling like that in a movie ever. Yeah. The next closest thing would be in Hereditary right. when the girl loses her head, like that'd be the next closest thing mm-hmm. but even that loses her head and like goes to a psychiatric ward or something no like phys- uh, physically loses <laughs> her head. I haven't seen it who hasn't seen it Ixnay. oh uh yeah my bad I'm sorry Zach I thought you saw it now I'm gonna ruin a movie for you no <laughs> so. hey ready or not Spider-Man Green Goblin that's the end 2002 mm-hmm. I know I the gave you about heart. the heart <laughs> don't tell Harry no, Midsummer was the scary that just kind of made me feel sick the entire time. Well, yeah, then it goes into the daytime horror oh, that's just that's like nice. never ends. Yeah. Amazing. I really love. I I know we talked about it because I'm obsessed with Ari Aster and his like mm-hmm. subtlety, but that opening like card where it was like the painting, like it maps out the whole movie. Mm-hmm. If you had more time to look at it, you you could probably figure it out, but. Man, and I, like, I found a picture of it, and I zoomed in, and, like, there's the parents and the daughter with the tubes, like, in the very, like, on the very left, and then you go over, and it's literally the whole movie. It's so good. Mm. And all the subtle imagery in there. I love Ari Aster. I really love the color palette in this movie, Mm -hmm. and all the trippy kind of effects that he does in this. Mm -hmm. Whenever did did or when are you guys getting it with the extended cut when it comes out? Oh, a hundred. Okay, I would oh, want yes. love to do a watch the watch with you guys. I would like, like to do a rewatch where I'm not with tired. the long version, <laughs> the long I, version of it somewhere. I saw it twice when it came out in theaters, mm-hmm. and I wanted to see it more. Cause I saw it that first night, and then literally I think two days later I went again by myself <laughs> and saw it, and it was oh, it's just as good. I still want to do my. <laughs> I still want to do my edit of it where I cut out yeah. an hour. <laughs> yeah. But but no, I but it was like I said during the podcast. That's not even like a criticism against it because I like the stuff in the opening mm-hmm. and I like it. I just wanted to see if I could, and I wanted to see if the movie would still work on that or if it would work as just like a solid, you know, ugh, creepy horror movie yeah. without adding that extra. Mm-hmm. All those extra elements from the slower part of the movie that I still like, maybe even more. Mm-hmm. Don't take out the critical moment, though. Well, no. No. I just, of course I not. F- I always forget about that scene. Actually, zoom in closer. That was a scene, like, at that point I was like, I don't even 
he just wants a wide round of emotions coming out of us right now because we're just this seems like funny but also you know like you, you i started already piecing together where everything was going to lead up to i'm like she's going to find out about this and she is going to kill this guy yeah. that is what's going to happen um yeah i mean my my whole like issue with it still i stands from when we originally talked about it which was i think just disappointment that it ended up becoming such a typical you know they're all trapped in one location and they get murdered one by one and there's no escape and i'm like why couldn't they just leave i guess they couldn't leave early on but well i was kind of thinking about it and like maybe part of the reason they couldn't leave is because they were such assholes like none of them nicely asked to leave none of them were like that's a good point hey i'm freaked out can i go home <laughs> i'm freaked out of that guy who just jumped off that cliff can oh. i leave <laughs> yeah they're all like super disrespectful i gotta say i don't really I, uh, vibe with that i just found a bunch of pubes in my phone <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know there's there's times where like you know i guess with other movies like how in you know in hereditary when the son doesn't immediately tell the parents about it. he just kind of lets the mom find it in the morning that part of it i'm like i relate to that not on that level but on the level of i too avoided telling my parents about things until they just maybe found it but in midsummer when that guy jumps off that cliff and some of them still are like i'm gonna stick around here i don't relate to that at all i'm like i i don't understand any of this like why would anybody like I know and they're just like, oh, well, this is just their culture. I'm like, I would give up. I'd be like, I'm going to study something new <laughs> and give up this uh, dissertation I'm I've been doing. Maps. You know what? I'm just going to I'm maps. just going to work at Baskin Robbins. So I'll be leaving now and see you later. It's disturbing, though, because that's a movie that, even though I didn't love it too much, it was mm-hmm. a good movie. I'm not going to deny any of the like praise it's been getting it's a good looking movie it's yeah. excellently put together sure. and it's got scenes in it that are still haunting me the guy hung up in the chicken yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy oh man i'm just like oh this is like daytime horror man <laughs> so good <sighs> was that was that your number four number three number three four is climax all right number three parasite Nice. Me and you haven't even talked about it yet. Well, uh, we haven't seen it, so don't spoil it. This is the best screenplay of the year. This was mm-hmm. a perfectly crafted story. I don't know what's about. You know, I don't. Want, I don't really want to spoil anything. Then nope. I just say it's a perfectly crafted story where, and it's great because it's it's something that once it begins and you start. You see the first guy arrive at the house. You start to already figure out where everything's like gonna start piecing together. Uh-huh. And yeah, in a in a way, I'm saying like because especially when he gets his sister there, I'm like, yeah. I know what's gonna happen now. Yeah, and with, I with love the name that. of the, the movie. You're like, okay, I see it. Yeah, so I'm assuming it's like a body snatcher. No, no, okay. it's Whatever actually you think it is. It's not that. It's not. It's it's. Uh, I think it's completely on its own too, in, as far as yeah. genre goes. Screenwriting and storytelling wise, I would. The the closest thing I can think of would be Jeremy Saulnier, like, Green Room or Blue Ruin type of screenwriting, where, like, everything happens, like, for a reason, but, like, this plus this equals this scene, which will then equal this scene, like, a lot of, um, 
Yeah, I don't know. A lot of like cause and effect and effect and effect. Like it snowballs. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. To you kind of? Yeah. In, well, in screenwriting where you're like, wow, this is like a really well-crafted story. Well, and it's I think it's just hard for a lot of movies to pull off every act really well. Yeah. And to have everything feel, you know, necessary or even the unnecessary stuff to feel like it works with the rest of the movie. This is something that just everything about it works. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, you use that term Chekhov's gun a lot, mm-hmm. which isn't, that's not a thing I usually agree with. I don't mm-hmm. think every movie needs to adhere to the Chekhov's gun rule, but this movie definitely is like the, the masterpiece of yeah. putting that to good use. Mm-hmm. Not that it's everything super obvious, but it's it does bring pretty much every element that it yeah. introduces into play later. It also has like that twist halfway through where it kind of changes what the whole movie's about mm-hmm. and it adds that extra bit of tension. And I, it's just, it's very well crafted, put together mm-hmm. and pace that you have to imagine this took yeah. so long to map out, plan out, Unless he's just a genius screenwriter who could do it good at well, one take. <laughs> it's good too because it's like that, well, that there's no real main character. There's kind of, but not, like in terms of screen time, it's like equal all the way around. Mm-hmm. Focusing around a family, you know. Um, yeah, every, <laughs> that Chekhov's gun thing, every character has something major. You know, they have four or five elements to each character that always are in cause and effect, you know? And, um, have you, you've seen Free Fire. Yes. And you didn't like it, really? No. Okay. And you guys haven't seen Free Fire? Okay. That's a movie I would also kind of closely relate this to, in a weird way. Hmm. But. You know what I was thinking about when I saw the... Because I don't really get a lot of movies that are from the perspective of very poor people. Um, but watching them at the scene where they're just chilling at the house and they're kind of finally just interacting as a family. Mm-hmm. And I like that they still have like a lovable tie with each other, um, even though they finally have kind of reached this point. Yeah. Um, but it reminded me a lot of like Malcolm in the Middle in a way. Um, the yeah. way that that family interacts. Yeah. It, and It starts like as a sitcom and then there's like this middle point as a sitcom too. Yeah. And then like, even when she starts kind of like screaming at them, but it's it's kind of meant to be like a joke too. Mm-hmm. But I started thinking of that and I'm like, we haven't really, we don't get too many movies that are from, you know, this kind of perspective from like the actual low class. We get movies about people who aren't, you know, making tons of money, but like from this kind of actual low class. Yeah. Uh, I, I really enjoyed that part of it. And that is the thing that everybody's really talking about with this movie. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, all that stuff is there, but just even as a story on its own works so well. Mm-hmm. Um, Highly recommended. Highly, highly, highly recommended. Zach, number two. Anything? Want to talk about it? No. We got we got a couple. <laughs> it's not like we have a two-part episode about it. <laughs> uh, my number two is Us. Want to talk about it? <laughs> Zach, was Us in your list? Mm-hmm. It was? So Us oh, was... Oh, it was, it was uh, Okay, so close. But that was like in everybody's list too. It was it so. in yours? Yeah. Okay. Cool. How about you, number two? Number two is Parasite. Want to talk about it? <laughs> it's a good movie. We are getting... I feel sad. I feel like we're going to have like nothing to talk about by the end. Okay, so yeah. um, your, your number one is... My number two... Oh. Hey, slow down, sir. 
I haven't done my number two. What's your number two? Okay. My number two. I'll go number two all over you. <laughs> <laughs> my, okay. My number two is Dora the Explorer. Now, wait, this wait, movie. Wait, no. <laughs> uh, my number two is Climax. And, um. Dora the Explorer was actually kind of good, surprisingly. <laughs> if, you, if you actually want to be serious, like, that, I actually thought it would be shit. It was actually good. Okay, can I guess everyone's number one? Yes. You saw mine. Well, we know, we all know. I was going to suggest in the early episode, the beginning of the episode, we should do it for points. <laughs> like, oh. who could guess yeah. each other's guess number everyone's one? everyone's right now. Well, okay. Yeah, now well, that we're down to the last one, is yeah. easy. Wait, but... wait, you said your number two was Endgame. Yeah. I don't know what your number one would be then. I, I know, I, I know. Goebbels is Endgame because he hasn't said it yet. I think I said it. Yeah. And then I know Haven't we all know Chloe's is Midsummer. Uh, I've been saying Midsummer is going to be my favorite since it came out. You're right. No. I mean, that's at least I'm I know Midsummer, Endgame, Ford vs Ferrari. Mine is. I spoiled it. What? What is that? Child's play. <laughs> you are my buddy. You're my best friend. That's actually Sound a good like movie, Kermit. too, though. <laughs> so, really, this fu- finale of the episode is figuring out what Zach's number yeah. one is, because... Mm-hmm. I'm too tired to I'm actually too thrown off. Yeah. Just to clarify, because we kind of just, like, buzzed through it. Chloe's favorite movie of 2019 is Midsummer. Midsummer. I've been saying it since the day I saw it. Hunter's favorite movie of 2019 was Avengers Endgame. Mm-hmm. For good reason. Justin's favorite movie of 2019 was... Ford v. Ferrari. Yes, for also good reason. And I know for a fact I said what my favorite one was. I, why don't I remember? Obligated. What is it? We've gone over it. Is it even on Star Wars? Um, That'd be great if you, you just, if you just threw that was my guess. Yeah, that was your guess. Is it Knives Out? No. That was my number two. Okay, well. Was it Us? Cheers. Yeah, it, it was Jojo Rabbit. Oh, it was Jojo Rabbit. Oh, That's right. You, you told that. me that uh, like weeks ago. <laughs> All the kids wearing cardboard armor. <laughs> hey, Jojo! <laughs> Love that kid. <laughs> Say, the Russians are gonna invade us. <laughs> Everybody's coming here. The, it's like the only people on our side are the Japanese, and between you and me, Jojo, they don't they look very Aryan. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that was the first time, and I can't believe all. We, how often did we study World War Two in yeah. like school? But that was the first time I realized. I'm like, yeah, what's that all about? So I'm like, why? Why is it they're all about the Aryan race, but they teamed up with the Japanese? Like, excuse me. <laughs> Didn't any of the German people like turn that their head like that kid and say? Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. I don't understand. Yeah. What are our what are our goals again? We're killing these people, but we're teaming up with them. Who are we yeah. hating? They they address that in um Man in the High Castle. Mm. Like in that TV show like in this alternate dimension like half the world is run by Germany, half is run by Japan. That and wasn't going to go over well. It doesn't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's exact. I mean, uh, it's funny because actually, legitly, exactly what happened with Russia and the U.S. Where yeah. the same thing. We won, and we're like, they're like, okay, so we want to run things like this. They're like, hold on, yeah, wait, wait a minute, <laughs> wait, we say what? what? Do you, you uh, can't. Yeah. What are you talking about? Well, that I, that's our 2019 episode. Is there any other movies you really want to quickly drop? Uh, no, even you brought up some other ones though. Like I was like, you know what, The Order Explorer actually mm-hmm. wasn't that bad. Child's Play wasn't that bad. We've said that a couple podcasts now. Um. 
I just it, it was a year where there were a lot of really good movies that I felt bad that we had to lower it down to any number because a lot of our lists were going to be somewhat the same. Mm-hmm. Um, no one mentioned like there is movies that maybe could be mentioned like The Irishman. You know, wasn't on anyone's list, but it wasn't a bad movie or like Shazam. I really like I Shazam. Yeah, I mentioned Shazam. You know, I what was on my Shazam. list like for a long time. John Wick Chapter Three. John Wick Chapter Three was good. That's so still up ass. there on my like of the ranking. Yeah, right I really liked Rocket Man too. Um, I still haven't seen that. I haven't seen that, that was, or and I haven't seen yeah. the Freddie Mercury one. Oh, Rocket oh, Man was oh, good. Uh, there was this movie that like nobody knows about called was it Frozen Two. Yes, it, oh, that was awful. Dark Waters with Mark Ruffalo, because um, oh, he's a great actor. But this that. movie also—that's cons- a conspiracy one, right? It's not a conspiracy. It's actually a very legit thing that happened, and that's still happening. And it was one of those movies where there's basically this like uh, poison that's in Teflon that if you mm-hmm. like burn it high enough that it gets in like food and water and such. And the end of the movie because Teflon. Um, it's not. It's the stuff that they use to make Teflon. Um, it's a chemical, man-made chemical that can affect the human body, and if you get enough of it, it can really start messing you up. Mm. And the end of the movie is just like this chemical is in ninety-nine percent of the population, the world population. So you're just like sitting mm-hmm. there as an audience member, like, oh, I have this, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's. But it's such a good movie, and he's so good in the movie too. Like Mark Ruffalo uh, outside another, of Hulk. Another one that I missed. Yeah. Another one that I never watched this year was like uh, a movie too. Yeah. Yeah, that was that one was okay. I think the only problem with that movie was that it was a sequel to the Lego movie, so the comparisons there. And um, if you guys want to watch a movie that's like a, it's like a movie that is like therapy to you watch a beautiful day in the neighborhood the movie is literally like yeah did you see it no i wanted to though there's a movie and there's a scene in that movie where he's like let's just take a second to um close our eyes and just breathe and he does it for a minute and then they do it in the movie and the whole audience was just silent during that scene i i was expecting someone to laugh or something but people were like really into the movie yeah. that the whole audience stayed quiet for a minute with tom hanks while he mm-hmm. said that and tom hanks was just looking at us and i'm like this is this is what it's like <clears throat> to go to a therapist this is it <laughs> it's mm-hmm. happening a uh, couple movies i thought um were really charming uh peanut butter falcon um didn't wasn't as strong as i thought it was going to be uh, but I thought it could have had a lot of potential to be up on my list. Um, and the other one is The Art of Self-Defense. It's a, like, one, probably the most surprising comedy I saw this year with Jesse Eisenberg. El Camino was great. That was good. That was a good, yeah. like, worthwhile... Uh, you, can even, fin- you can even watch it without having to see... Well, yeah, you can. Worthwhile epilogue that mm-hmm. has... Uh, almost a western backdrop to the whole thing but my uh my parents watched it without watching the tv show and they were like massively confused because they messaged me after they're like who's this who's that and i'm like well for starters you have to watch six seasons of a tv show called breaking bad (laughs) so we can start with i tried to answer the questions as much as i could because they really had a lot of questions about robert forster especially um which that ended up being his last movie, which was kind of... He died the day after that movie was released. Oh, really? Yeah. So I'm like, that's really sad. But, you know, he was a great actor. And um, 
That was his last movie, now. But that was that was in my top ten for a while until mm. the Oscar season movies came out. Zach, you need to sleep in more. <laughs> but I have to be here. <laughs> you need to demand that Aldi <laughs> open later. <laughs> An hour later, please. They don't even open till nine. Yeah, what the hell? You have to be there for five hours before then. To throw a truck to put it all on the shelves. It doesn't just do it itself. But when I go there, it's all there. What have you ever <laughs> been there? I've been there many times. Uh, what do you think I get my yeah. cheese and meat platters? Do they have cheese and meat platters? You yes. do have a lot of cheese and meat platters. <laughs> 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 if there's one thing that Justin has a lot of, it's cheese and meat platters. Man, I, I dish me a meat and cheese platter at least three times a day. <laughs> and remember, <laughs> always beware the cinema swamp. <laughs> Don't you see me with some freaking coconut water here? That's not Aldi brand. Thanks for listening to this episode. So what did you think of some of our choices? Did you agree with them? Did you disagree with anything? Is there anything that we didn't mention at all? What were some of your favorites of 2019? Leave a comment on this episode. Like our pages on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Cinema Swamp. And remember, always beware of the Cinema Swamp. <laughs>